All right, we're here with It's Server Time, Episode 4, and today we are joined by Davey. You may know him as the backup for Threes Up Enterprises. So, hey, Davey, how's it going? It's going great. Yep, no, having a great time on the bench over there, just waiting to finally get my opportunity to break into the first team. So, yeah, just just chilling. How's it going with you? I think I think Method might look for a stand-in or something soon for you, so mm. keep that in mind. All right. I will. But if you guys don't really know Davey, I don't know how you wouldn't. Uh, he is of uh, Splice fame. He's got stickers in the game. He yeah, he's is, got uh, stickers, dude. He's got stickers, so check those out. Buy them on the Steam Marketplace. You know, raise the value or something. Inflate that. And currently, he's playing for Mythic. Also, he has been broadcast talent recently at the ESL Pro League. Uh, and at the ESL Pro League Finals, also, he was in a little bit of a, a TV. He was in a box when I was at CS Summit, so he did a great job there. We had some great chemistry, some great you know, laughs. <laughs> it's true, that was right in the heat of the fuck, or that was right in the heat of the uh, pandemic. That was right when all the lockdowns had been going on, so travel was not permitted for me to the event, so they had to put me in a little TV, and that was the best they could do, but it was still fun. Yeah, it was a good time. All right, so we're not sure how long Davey can stick around today, so we're just going to get right into the NA news, and we're going to get into some hardball immediately. So Davey... What is wrong with Liquid, and why aren't they doing well? So okay, well, so don't worry, I can solve all of their problems yes. right now. This is your so, job. Yeah, no, no problem. Um, honestly, it's hard. I think that with with a team like Liquid, when you have four players like that who have been who've played up up till now, when this pandemic started and everything started online for the previous two years, I bet they had played maybe 25 maps of online CS. I'm just I'm just coming up with a number in my head, but I think the only league they played in that was ever online was was ECS. That was the only online thing they had played in for like 2 years prior to this. So now being those guys and going from like finals winning tournaments on stage to playing 5 or 6 online matches a week, I can imagine it's just not like no matter how much people are going to be like oh they're professionals they should just be motivated all the time 100 all the time it's like <laughs> they're also humans though so like you can't just like tell somebody to do something like oh shit never thought of that like oh man you know you're right i'm just gonna take this online game against mythic exactly as serious as i take this major final against astralis you know what i mean it's it just doesn't you they can't do that like so i think that's one thing that's definitely uh had a pretty significant factor on them I'm trying cool. to almost like save my judgment for Liquid because I feel like they've kind of been playing the same like three or four teams for the past like six months now. And obviously they're going to EU soon and that's going to be a whole different world for them, a whole different set of motivation and stuff, I'm sure. So I'm kind of waiting, like kind of holding my judgment a bit to kind of further judge them based on their current performances because they've just been playing Fury and EG over and over. So it's kind of hard to like really get a good judge of like where they stand overall. So I think once they go to Europe and we kind of see how they perform there, kind of a better idea of where they actually stand they also just seem like a team that functions a lot better when they're all around each other rather than playing from online like stewie is very good at hyping his teammates up and that's like you can do it online but it's, it's not gonna have the same impact as when you're in person as well so it, it'll be an interesting dynamic to see when grim and, and grim is there in person with the rest of the team and see how that sort of develops as their own dynamic if you guys were to change, then uh, let's instead of uh, just moving them to LAN, but if you guys were able to change something about the team, whether it's something about their play style or even swapping out a player. And I think it's pretty early to swap a player for this team. But if you were, how, how would that look for you guys? 
Um, something. Well, for me, I don't necessarily like. I can't like pinpoint one thing I would change about them per se, but I think that one thing that's pretty important is um, I know a few of us in this call have at least worked with Grim a little bit, and yeah. um, I think that one thing about him is that he's very good at uh, if, if you ask him, Mike, where where do you want to play on this map? He'd be like, I don't care, man, put me anywhere, right? So when you have a player like that for Moses as a coach, it's actually a pretty big test on him as a coach because you he's very similar to Elise play style wise. So you're going to have to find a way to balance those two. And also Grim will take positions. He's not the most comfortable in just naturally. It's like, he'll just do it. He'll just be like, yeah, sure. So nobody wants to play there. I'll play there. But then you actually have to teach him to play in that role, fitting into the system of the team. And now also against better players than he's ever played against before when they're over in Europe. Right. So I think that's going to be a, a real test for Moses as a coach to see if he's really can actually handle um, coaching these coaching young players and coaching a team of this caliber. I'm not sure if you'd have an idea of it, but I've heard twists is also very similar where he's also sort of willing to get plugged into any position. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, a hundred, I've never really played on a team with him, so I'm not sure. I haven't heard that from his ex teammates or anything like that. But um, wait a second, yeah. didn't you play the World Cyber Game Canada thing yeah. with Twist for like a couple BO3s? So yeah, yeah, yeah I did. That's, that... You're getting fact checked. So right how now. would you like as a teammate for the event? How was you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> couldn't. Uh, I'm gonna be honest. I don't remember. I remember <laughs> Ocean was a walking meme at that event. That's because Ocean was our. Ocean was our coach, and he was just like walking around Twitch chatting everybody IRL. It was hilarious. <laughs> so he's that's that's the main thing I remember from that event. I also got sixteen zeroed at that event. So yeah, I think I'm lucky to to answer your question, Alex. I think it'd be Liquid's a very difficult team to to even make a hypothetical change to because all of the players on them are so they're just basically some of the best players in North America, unless you're adding someone like Breezy to the team, which you're just not going to be able to do. Uh, it's very difficult to to sort of hypothesize any changes towards them. Uh, like something that I could see is them maybe getting an opper, but then again, like who would you plug in? Who would you take out of that team? Like you're not taking out Stewie. You're not taking out Elise. You're not taking out Grimm at this point. The this change I could maybe see relating to what we talked about before with twist falling off is maybe like twist for an OC or something like that. Uh, but even then, like it's so hard to even consider making that sort of change to that team. Yeah, I actually just I, I think the only really I don't think they need to make a change for an opera, especially not mm -hmm. OC. Um, I think if you're going to get an opera, you get a simple or you get a Zewu or you yeah. like you go ham, you put you spend the you spend the $2 million plus the three, you know, you, the $4 million deal gets you your simple, gets you your Z. Otherwise, just don't even fuck, don't even bother because I actually think what's that uniqueness that Liquid has where you never know on CT side which player is going to have the op in which spot and they're all completely capable of doing it. I think that's super unique and I don't think they actually want to lose that. I think if you had to make a change, like gun to my head, you have to make a change. You go, you cut Stewie and pick up an IGL. I think that's the only mm. like really good change for that team that I would, that I would consider making you know I, yeah, I actually i felt that like even though like it is useful to have like that kind of versatility it can also be bad for you in a way because it it doesn't allow you to like kind of set and like dedicate yourself to like one thing almost it's like you kind of have so many options and like so many different things you can do it's hard to like really set your mind on one especially when you're trying so many different things and like things aren't like going exactly the plan or working exactly how you want 
So I think I would kind of disagree. I don't even know like if I was to get an offer in the liquid, like it's so tough to even figure out like who do you change because it's like everyone on that team is just so fucking insane and so good that like they'll instantly have offers elsewhere. But um, I just think that if they did get an offer, it would help in the way that it would make their roles a lot more set. I think it'd take a lot of pressure off Stu um, if they wanted to keep him as like their IGL trying to do that. So overall, I just think, yeah. Yeah, if I were to replace anybody on the team, I would just have to look at their Valorant hours and just whoever has the most, <laughs> I would probably find that person and say, all right, I'm sorry, it, we're, we got to put in simple for you. It's just it's just how life is. All right. Um, but yeah, I I think it's a really pragmatic approach to actually pick up an opera because because there is in reality a kind of a like little bit of a confusion with the team sometimes like is Stewie or Naf going to pick it up and I per I particularly don't I think they're both excellent like they're both really good operas but they're not like world class top 10 in the world operas I'll say that so that being said I don't really think there's any that are feasibly available right now that you could say would just slot in better and at the same time it's kind of like are you really going to put in OC for twists when we've seen Twist's peak, he was the MVP of a tournament when they lost. You, like, that's crazy. Like, I don't think there's any operas that are even available right now that have done that. Like, the only people that have done that are what? Uh, Simple. I think Zywoo has done that. Twist has done that. I feel like there was one more person in the history that... No, no, Glaive won that event that he... Never mind. Uh, yeah, he Glaive... stomped that event, yeah. Yeah, he stomped that event, yeah. <laughs> I think there was, was it... someone from Astralis, though. No, I I remember Twist, Saiwu, Simple. I don't know if there's another one though. Mm. Yeah, I feel like I don't think I don't th I know there's no other operas that have done it. I'm yeah. pretty damn but sure. So yeah. Either way, if I was Liquid, I probably wouldn't change anything regardless until I go to EU yeah. and see how I perform there. So yeah. Just just until then, I just probably keep things, keep trying, keep trying things out, keep trying different dynamics in the team. As I'll just Europe. I'll just put it this way, and we can just give a really short answer. The only two ones I see right now are Gratisfaction and OC. And do you, do any of you guys see those guys slotting in for? I I'd say Twist because he's had the biggest drop in form, admittedly. No, no. Because no. I, no, I like think the only the only way I would see like OC having somehow ended up there is if like he ended up there like before Grim or something. Like if like the timing of like everything kind of was different. But other than that, because the big there. issue with swapping out a player on Liquid is that the other factor is that the player that you're releasing from the team can now go to any other team. Like, you don't want twists on another team against you. Like, yeah, you know, what if he hits true. his peak form again? He's, like, dropping 40 on you, headshotting you everywhere. Like, what are you going to do? So, like, the, the consideration of also having one of those players leave the team and hit their peak level again uh, under someone else is just, that's a very scary prospect. I think you sort of have to just ignore form right now, too. It seems dumb. Yeah. But like... The fact that everything's online, like you said, they've been playing against the same teams over and over again. If you're players who are used to playing on stage, like and 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 you go to this just over and over and over and over again, same teams, same you know whatever. It, like your form is going to drop, your motivation is going to drop, no matter what. It like no matter no matter what that that that's just unavoidable at this point. So I think even for me, like my motivation dropped like over the yeah. course of five months, but I'm just prepping against the same five teams over and over again and for yeah. the same style of match you know yeah exactly so i think that uh you can't be too harsh on them right now i think like mick said wait wait for them to go to europe let that sort of reinvigorate themselves get them some you know get some new new air some new blood to play against and then hopefully 
um the lands you know with uh you know the lands coming back towards the end of the year hopefully we get some more beginning of next year and then we can actually test test what their what their lineup's going to be and what what they're going to play like yeah okay let's uh let's move off liquid here so IEM New York NA just finished and Davey you were in group B so you got to play against a handful of teams there and I want to ask yeah yeah exactly um so Davey it felt like Mythic was having an off tournament like you guys probably should have won that one and to get out in the group stage must have been a disappointment but I have to ask about one of the other teams that's in your group team one this team's been on the rise for a while now uh I want to ask from your perspective I've actually played against them as a couple times in the last couple months. Uh, and I know that you've probably played against them much more than I have. Okay, what does this team feel like a legit top 23 team in the world right now to you? Uh, no, just quick answer. No, but I think okay. I do think they're better than they used to be. Like, I do think they've gotten better. I think uh, I think Malbs was a good pickup. I think Malbs is really good. Uh, Maluk seems to have really fallen off. Like, playing against him before you used to be like kind of like scared of him like you have to okay make sure you know where maluk is he's he had that very unique brazilian opera style and now he it and, and i like him a lot as a person but it just feels like he's sort of i don't know you're you don't you don't really notice him on the server that much anymore yeah i but, think he's uh, their igl as well right he might be i'm yeah. not sure i'm not sure well anytime we played them he completely popped off against us and it was like i was playing against <laughs> like prime fallen so it was just fucking absurd yeah well sucks to suck i guess but <laughs> Mal yeah Mal malbs is a good pickup barton has gotten a lot better since he's joined like originally i remember back in the day when they picked him up i thought this is like such a downgrade and it was at the time to be fair but he has slow he's gotten quite a bit better actually so i think uh overall no they're not i don't think they're a top 25 team in the world I, but i do think they're getting better but yeah i don't i don't think they're that great for for context briefly for listeners 23rd in the world is surrounded by the 21st te best team is chaos 22nd is genji 24th is north and 25th is forza so i definitely i i personally don't to be fair i think you know what i think they could yeah. take down north Who you think couldn't? they could beat okay so then <laughs> okay, okay, I, offense to that. <laughs> I take offense to that virtus pro by the way is 28th i'm a solid never so uh how about how about this how does it feel in the server to play against them does it feel like like for people who probably haven't watched team one does it feel like a tactical style puggy like just kind of 4-1 like i mean what what is it just be default mm, uh, it, it's kind of it's tough because we played them on mirage and you know brazilian teams on mirage run out mid run up cat r jump into window run up connector like it's just like it's just the biggest clusterfuck of all time and yeah. so that felt super puggy. I don't think they felt super puggy on overpass, but they do that. They do that thing. They're like 2014 meta where Barton is always on the hard lurk, always hard lurking, like opposite side of the map four ones. It's which is like, I don't want to say it's, well, it's obviously not meta right now, but that doesn't mean that it won't work for their team. Right. Cause like if yeah. you find what works for your team and you do it. But so I, I remember thinking that was annoying. It's like, Oh my God. Yep. So somebody just always has to wait for him to walk out. Yep. There he is. Kill him. All right. Now we rotate later. Like, so like it was just kind of annoying to play against, but um, yeah, they, they did throw a lot of fakes. So they were organized. It was like the classic Brazilian organized chaos. Okay, sounds about right. The map pool for them is kind of interesting. When I've played them, it was on Mirage and it was on Nuke. 
And that again is like two completely different styles. Like it, it feels like you move from one map to the other. And like you say, Mirage, it did like Barton, I think ran out palace on me like eight times. So I just, you know, I yep. just can't even hold my mouse compared to him. Cause that dude's just headshotting everybody. But then on nuke, they actually did sometimes play like <clears throat> kind of like a slower, they attempted some misdirection at times, but it wasn't super fleshed out at the time. But this was a few months ago when I played them on nuke and Mirage was kind of in the last couple weeks. And it felt just dominant. Like, individual form was really high for them. <clears throat> Sorry. And I wanted to bring up that uh, I've heard kind of through the grapevine that the thing with Team 1 is that their org is putting, like, an ultimatum over their heads, right, or is dangling an ultimatum over their heads right now, where it's essentially, if they don't make it to Pro League... <clears throat> One sec. Um, if they don't make it to Pro League, apparently uh, they might drop this team. So I feel like that sort of hunger has come out in their play actually lately. I just want to point out I've been hearing that for the last two years. So. Okay. Okay. That yeah. yeah. Just so you know, really like I'm not I'm not seasons. saying you're yeah. wrong. I'm not saying you're yeah. wrong. But I'm just saying I've been hearing that for years now. That's yeah, been, I've like, heard it for story. a couple seasons. But yeah. yeah. I people are like, this is the one they were serious about. So I don't, yeah. I, don't I don't know personally. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't I don't know what's going on over there. So <laughs> whatever. Uh, team one style for me at least when I prep for them. Um I definitely don't think they're like top thirty or anything. Or well, like maybe like like at the edge of top thirty, but definitely not like twenty three. They definitely have improved over the past couple months. And it definitely was kind of like that simple. Um, definitely a lot of mis not like a lot of misdirection, but I could tell they definitely had like a few set themes and a few things that they gravitated towards in terms of like misdirection and stuff. And so nothing like super straightforward, but also they didn't really have like a fully like fleshed out game plan on their T sides or anything super consistent plan yeah i i I think i found the biggest thing that stood out to me is that their contingency plan like if they lose that opening pick you don't know what the hell's happening with that team anymore like you they might just run out every single spot at the same time Mm -hmm. because they don't know where they're going to find an answer for the rest of that round they were the team we played against originally that did the uh, we we called it the one 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 yeah because like because like all, somebody dies and then one guy runs out mid one guy runs out palace one guy runs out B and one guy runs up connector or something it's like just one 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 everybody just go run and take a gunfight <laughs> and and just hope we win like just cause chaos yeah yeah that uh that propelled TRK to where he is today it did he was nuts it, at that in all honesty in all honesty <laughs> yeah. That was his strat, dude. Like you call the one 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 one, and TRK is just out T ramp two tapping all of your A players. Like <laughs> it was awful. TRK's and then you try to ideal. rotate, and then there's a guy walking out B halls. Oh, and there's also a guy that's jumped in window. Oh, and by the way, there's already one up connector. It was awful. Yeah, he's like say no more, fam. Uh, another team that has actually just entered the top 30. I don't know if you guys saw this. This just happened this morning, of course. But New England Whalers moved up. 20 points or 20 spots in the ranking and they are now the 29th team in the world so dj ben leet pone alone b wills and rampage are the 29th best team in the world these guys were not in your group davy but i i know you've played against them lately too how does that feel like do they feel again like a top 30 team i think we beat them every time we've played them so like no but uh, obviously beating furia is 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 legit like that, yes, that, that, yeah. that that's a legit that's, win. That is how now, they don't got get here. me wrong. If you watch the game, I don't think Furia was taking that very seriously. And, th- and they sort of tried, like they sort of realized, like, oh shit, wait. And then and then New Whalers had so much momentum going that yeah. it was like kind of too late at that point. 
but it still is a legit win no matter what. So good for them. Yeah, good for them. Obviously, I don't know if I'd say they're like top 30, like number 29 in the world. I mean, mm-hmm. but obviously it's still a good win. I'm really glad that they're, they're having success because I really like that team, actually. I think Pono's mm-hmm. like a really good player. I think Same. if Pono... I wish Ponalon was like 18 because like yeah. he'd be the next up and coming superstar. Of NA. <laughs> yeah. Um, unfortunate, but you know the problem is I've been playing against him, and he was he was old back when I was playing against him at 1.6. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. so. <laughs> but That's like I'm really I'm really glad to see like Ben Lee have success because I actually think he's a pretty good IGL after like his like kind of rough stint on Chaos. I felt yeah. I, I felt kind of bad for him just because like I didn't really feel he was in his best role like where he could do the maximum for a team. So I'm glad to see him having success as an IGL again for Whalers, and that's a really good win for them. They're they're the sort of team where I wish that MDL sort of still had the old structure where there was like two global challenges a year where they could play against a little more European competition because they're a team I'd like to see like going up against different styles and against like a different caliber of opposition just to see if they can handle that. Because right now they've also probably been scrimming Furia a bunch. They've been scrimming these sort of teams a lot as well. So it's hard to sort of judge that. It's a great win for them in the tournament, but like, it's hard to see whether they would be able to sort of main- maintain that sort of momentum going up against teams that are not from this region. I will say, obviously, even though it's a bit worse at the moment, they are like 10-0 and 0 in MDL at the moment. So mm-hmm. just overall, they, they're kind of having like a, a pretty good stretch of form. I think they're starting to kind of find their stride with their team. They last season in MDL, I want to say, had like a nearly undefeated. Like, I, I want to say it was 14 and 2, actually. Yeah, I think they were, yeah, I think they were 14 and yeah. 2 or 15. And then and they lost to us in first round of playoffs. <laughs> yeah, they did. They uh, they beat beat me in the lower bracket first round, actually, right after that. So, oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, but uh, they, yeah, they're they're pretty legit. And no, like, no, they, I, I actually agree a lot with what Mix was saying is that if Pone alone was 19. He'd yeah, be, like it'd be like like Liquid would be sitting there like, come on, as soon as this, as soon as COVID's over, Ponalon, we're gonna get you. Like, but because he's like 29, it's just like, yeah, maybe not. You know what I mean? They're just like, eh, maybe not. So th- realistically, for him, the only way for him to climb into a pro team is to actually do it on his own team through yes. MDL. So um, mad respect to him, by the way, for sticking yes. with CS and MDL yes. and not going to Valorant. Agreed. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. No, look, I I really it, like yeah. Ponalone. I think Ponalone's yeah. really good. Playing against him is annoying, and it's not like annoying in the sense of like playing against. He's our actually player. good. Yeah, he's yeah. actually good. Like it's it's annoying because he's good, and he will hit shots when you're like, I was really counting on you missing that man. I was really. I'm pretty sure yeah. he dropped like thirty on us one time. And they beat us yeah. on Nuke. So no, he's good. Oh, especially Nuke. No, yeah. ban Nuke against that team. Just yeah, ban yeah, Nuke yeah. against that team. But yeah, no, actually though, I I agree hundred percent. It's it sucks for him that he's not nineteen. Sorry, dude. AJ, yeah, unlucky. He he is like uh, he played when they played Liquid. He actually went on 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 Inferno at least. He was like one point five two rating. Like he is legit, actually quite damn good. And it's no, uh, yeah. it's so it. I guess I'll just ask this briefly. Like, do you think his age really really matters? Like, if he said, guys, I don't care about anything else going on in my life like i would just dedicate my life to this game if i got the opportunity do you think that like is he worse because he's 29 like why i know that it's a lack of like it's like a lack of other opportunities as well because it's like you know what teams need an opera you know what operas are available so yeah there's like also other options over him there's like gonna be like people like cooper or you know oc at the moment oc yeah so it's like kind of lucky for him that way um you know sorry i keep going no, no, you're good. That was my point. 
Okay. Um, I think that I actually rate him as a player above those names that you just listed. Um, but also the, the problem is from a value standpoint, like you were talking about Alex, like, does it matter is skill wise? Does it matter? No, but value wise, if that you have an opera who's 19 years old, 19 years old, and you want to, and you want to sign them, they have resale value yeah. or they have, um, potential, uh, you know, you, you know, they, they have value as an, as an investment. Whereas this is an example of buying high. So like you can buy this investment right now and it's not going to go, it's not going to climb at all. It's kind of like buying a fucking Google stock, I guess. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of, it's kind of just sitting there. It might climb a little yeah. bit, it's going to drop back down. It might climb a little bit, it's going to drop back down, but the margins are real small in every direction. Whereas if you buy, um, even hypothetically an OC, even though I think Ponalone's better, the fact that he could potentially grow so much means that even if you buy at lower value, the potential growth makes it worth it. You're also uh, buying for like longevity at that point, right? Because you yeah. can sign players to two, three-year contracts, and if they build over even one or two years, if they've built their skill up or built up their skill, then you're you're able to sell high again or even recoup your investment at the very least. Whereas with Ponalone, like it's very hard to imagine longevity at, at 29, even if he maintains his form. Like it's a hard gamble to make as an organization that he's going to maintain it um yeah. also when it comes to something like um sorry i lost my point for a second but uh it's like Ponalone sort of reminds me of like the old vp where it was taz and and neo where now he's sort of playing with the younger group of players and bringing them up sort of what taz and neo did uh obviously on a different level but it's the sort of opportunity that he just now has. It's it's he's not going to get a shot on a large team like Davey said. He's going to have to work his way into into something like an EPL. That's kind of funny me just to think about though. Taz, Neo, Tone alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know strange strange comparison, but it's more about VP legends. <laughs> Fifteen uh, years of trophies, land win, <laughs> best player in major the world. victories, majors. <laughs> True. Yeah, yeah. It's like literally, Neo, the best player ever to touch Counter Strike one point six. You know, like it's and it's just. Like, like, <laughs> 20 combined majors yeah yeah maybe maybe not the best example but i'm talking no, about no, 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 to be fair it was a good example. example it was just funny it's funny yeah. <laughs> it's funny to think about mdl regular season best record <laughs> yeah i i have to agree with the sentiment i feel like as an org you look at ponalone and even though his output is incredibly high right now, the fact is that if you sign him to a three-year contract, which I guess is being made out to be the standard in the in the CSGO world right now, you don't know in two years, three years, is Ponalone like as he's is he gonna just be like, you know what, guys, I'm getting a little tired of Counter-Strike. I'm in my 30s now. I wanna have a child or something. And my I don't know, dude. Will. If he hasn't yet, then Well, I mean I, 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 I don't, you know. You can have one in your thirties, everything. Like it just depends. Like you don't know where his mindset's going, but you know when you pick up a seventeen-year-old kid, like this kid's gonna still be playing the game in three years, like a hundred percent. It's no, there's no question about it. But when it's kind of like Unless the turnover, Ryan, the new game, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the turnover though is like is a lot is is theoretically lower for younger people. That's that's my main thing with uh, Pone alone. Even though I have to agree that I think his output is 
is great. I, he's one of the, he was one of the best players at IEM uh, New York. I'm pretty sure 1.12 rating at that tournament. So really good stuff. But um, let's just go over briefly some of the other teams, especially the ones that were in your group, Davey. So mm. there was also Chaos. Um, they were admittedly playing with Wrath at this, and they lost the tiebreaker match against Team One, so they didn't make it to the playoffs. I think most of us going into this would have said that they should have beaten Team One, and uh, really, by world ranking-wise, they were the favorites in that match. It's just, they were playing with a stand-in. I don't know if that is exactly the reason they lost, but how does Chaos feel to you lately with them under Vanity's IGLing versus Steels? Uh, they uh, still feel really good. Yeah. Sorry, I thought you were asking me, but go ahead, Mix. No, that, that's it. Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, I, they still feel like they're still good, improving. Vanity's getting more comfortable with calling. I still think he's trying to get comfortable with opping at the moment as well. That could definitely be a bit of a rough thing against certain teams. Like, just, you know, randomly have a match where opping just seems like the most impossible thing to do, it seems like. And, yeah, so playing with a standard, I did feel that, like, Team 1 had enough skill and enough, like, enough overall ability as a team to be able to beat Chaos, especially with a standard, so it wasn't too surprising to me. Uh, the Brazilian community did seem very excited excited and ecstatic about that. Beating Chaos with a standard, that was uh, quite something. Well, you know they like beating Leaf. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I did. Uh, I did enjoy watching Rath stand in on that team, though. He yeah, I did too. Played pretty well uh, as a player who came in as sort of a last minute replacement. I feel like that's the that's where he thrives, though. Yeah, yeah. Like when he does when there's no strats, he has to remember no smokes. He has to remember comms aren't you know he doesn't have to make that many comms. It's just like just come in, go Rath, go play. That's that's where he's at his best. <laughs> Which is what, kind of what happens in all of the teams that he's joined in the past. When people are like, yo, this Wrath kid, he's going to be sick. He's going to be the best. And you start playing early on in a team honeymoon phase. He's fragging out. And then you actually have to like start becoming a good team is when he just starts to fall off completely. Yeah, I think once you have to start developing protocols and yeah. develop your playbook, that's when he doesn't really enjoy that as much. He reminds I me of a very yeah. early Roka. Is what he yeah. Me. I I actually think as a player, he's actually more versatile. Like as a rifler, he's better in more situations than Roka ever was. Mm -hmm. uh, but the skill is undeniable for, for both of them when they were at their peaks. Um, I talked to Wrath briefly at Frag 2018, or one of the Frags in, in 2018. I don't know what number it was. And he kind of talked about how he just enjoys the game and just playing with friends. And he doesn't necessarily love coming in day in, day out grinding practice for eight hours or anything like that that's where he loses a lot of interest in the game but it's a shame because he's probably of players that are not on teams that are in the top 30 i guess in the world right now like for na's sake at least probably the most skilled like i i don't know really anybody when i look at the iem new york na teams like there's no one on really on any team that didn't make playoffs like so of Triumph, Rebirth, Imperium, Chaos, Mythic, RBG. I might say he's the best player of all six of those. Uh, no, Zeppa. Zeppa's better, but like, or not including Chaos. I'll say that because, but like any of those other five teams, he's he would be better than. Sorry, okay, Davy. Davy might be better. An MDL. Davy might be better than Wrath, but if I were to take someone on Aim Redline, I would take Wrath over you. Actually, so would I. I'd bet. I, I, I would. I would bet on him and not throw and still and still lose. Yeah. <laughs> I had to take over for Davy once and I popped off. So 
Maybe it's just the spots. Oh my god, I forgot. It's the rolls. It was the baby rolls. Oh my god, on Space Station, we had to, we used to do 1v1s to warm up for like games. Like everybody on the team used to do like 1v1s and 2v2s. And we actually had to stop doing it because people were getting so mad that we couldn't do it anymore. (laughs) I remember that. People were getting so into that. So mad. People were so mad because Chad was the best. Odorous would beat everybody. Oh yeah, Odorous with a rifle too. GMD with a rifle. I don't. Hodor's to be grim every time. Well, right, he beat grim and GMD to the point where like he was just raging. He was like, <laughs> dude, like fuck this, fuck you, Chad. I'm muting, and he would just mute his mic and just not say anything all the way up to pre-match. It was so ridiculous. Yeah. So if you're wondering who's better than Grim with a rifle, Odorous. Odorous. <laughs> Dang, I think I have a feeling he's gonna get onto a Valorant team soon. Just a you feeling. Have a feeling. Oh, yeah, okay. I have a feeling. Oh, okay. Yeah, Valorant team. So yeah, I yeah. wanted to touch on quickly with uh, with that is. I feel like the situation with Wrath is maybe not quite to this extent, but it happens a lot with upcoming talent in North America. Like a lot of players just don't want to put in the the amount of time that it takes to actually get good at every other aspect of the game other than aim. Mm-hmm. And like even there's a player on on the team that I that I ring for, his name's Sluggy. He he's like incredibly talented as an individual aimer. He DMs for like two thousand kills a day, but he I from what I know, he doesn't like watch as many demos he doesn't like look into that part of the game as much and he's played in fpl before he impressed people but like it's just not enough at this point right like you have to put in more commitment and i'm actually wondering from davy's point of view like for me it's it sort of comes down partially to an issue of like the the culture and mentality from players but also i feel like there's a just an overall lack of in-game leaders in the scene like every big in-game leader is sort of just left and it doesn't really offer the opportunity for talent to develop. Like we've we've seen uh, Nitro leave, we've seen Sean Garris leave, we've seen players like nothing who isn't an in-game leader, but like a player who could develop talent leave. So I'm curious from your perspective, since you've brought up some of these players or played alongside them. Well, I think for for one to go back to your original point, I don't think it's necessarily not wanting or not uh, putting in the effort to develop the other parts of your game. You know, I can speak for one player who I've played with a lot was roca i played with him for a couple years he tried so hard he wanted to he wanted to remember the strats so badly he he wanted to remember that strat when you called that strat he really wanted to remember what he was supposed to do he would feel so bad when he didn't but he wouldn't consistently he just wouldn't remember he would forget you'd call a strat he'd be like shit which one's that and you'd have to explain the whole strat to him his pathing would be wrong and he and then he'd be like shit bro my bad fuck i fucked up yo next time and he he tried so hard he would sit in the in the server with you for like an hour just making sure he had everything he would put in so much effort and something just wouldn't work for him he just couldn't remember them he just couldn't do it i don't I don't know 100% why, but for some people, no matter how much effort they put in, there's just certain things that they're not going to be very good at, no matter how much effort they put into it. And it so, sucks because it's like yeah. they're putting in the effort, but these are still things that like you need and like that you exactly. can't be forgetting. And so it's like they're trying so hard, you know, but maybe even if like they're forgetting and like they don't mean to, like it's still, you know, very detrimental to the team. And it's still, it still sucks if someone continues to have that problem and like you, they try to help themselves, you try to help them, and it's just not something that you really can it can like get over yeah Yeah. sorry go ahead alex oh well brief plug because i forgot at the beginning of the podcast and speaking of people trying hard we're all trying pretty hard on this podcast no just just record a video and cut it into the beginning 
Dude, I already, I'm already starting this, okay? So we're doing it, okay? <laughs> basically, basically, we, I forgot to shout out the Patreon at the very beginning of this, but we have started a Patreon, so help us out. We're trying really hard here. Uh, if you enjoy the content, donate whatever you can. Doesn't even matter if you're at the open level. We will appreciate your donation. <laughs> but look at, and also, you'll get to submit questions to the pod. Uh, there's different tiers. If you want us to look at a specific round, there's a, there's a tier list for that, or tier level for that. So... You know, if you want to contribute to the pod and even maybe shape it just a little bit, donate to the Patreon. All right. Sorry. Yeah, the highest, the highest, that had the highest that I've been on actual teams in open. So even if you're an open, you're like me. Yeah. Now, you know, you just need to cut that part out and just put it at the beginning and then. Put no, we're running, we're running, in. we're running with this. We're, running. Running all we're not giving Fernando more work. We're not okay. giving it. Right. That guy has been working tirelessly. <laughs> well, like, where were we on? Triumph? Yeah. No, okay, yeah, no. next, one, next one we'll do Triumph. Yeah, so Triumph Triumph is the team that also feels like they're finding some footing right now. They did not make it through their group. That being said, I think their group was pretty top. Like, actually, both of these groups were kind of weirdly hard. But, like, EG, New England, Whalers, and Fury, it just feel like it felt like they were better. Like, okay, like, New England Whalers is better than Triumph right now by a significant margin. Like, I don't... I think Triumph, they dipped out of MDL... I feel like it might would help them considerably right now if they were in MDL. I think they need to be getting in more officials because it feels like this team right now after Grimm's departure is taking just a little too long to gel. And I know they're playing like every single tournament they can. They're getting invited to things. But the decision to try to focus on tournaments might have been a good idea when Grimm were on the roster and they were really hitting their stride. But now that they've been knocked down a peg or two because they have to they had to add Moose and Penny to this team. To me, it feels like MDL would do them a, a good service. To well, be so they, they actually couldn't play in MDL this season because they played in the ESL Pro League. You can't yeah. play in both. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought they I thought they were like... Okay. They did okay. skip out the previous season of MDL, ah. not this season, I believe. Okay, um, gotcha. Yeah. But yeah, looking at this roster, it looks like an, it looks like a, uh, uh, an MDL team with Moose on it. Yeah. Like, okay, so this is an MDL team, and then you've got Moose. Right. I actually rate Junior pretty highly. I yeah, think it'll be same. one of the next best offers in North America. Like just watching the like watching Triumph, like I know he doesn't always have like the best ratings still, but like the like his opening kills and like the impact he's having, like especially on their CT sides, is like from not like phenomenal stuff, honestly. Like he carries some of their CT sides. I'd like to see him better used on their T sides. I feel like yeah. he's maybe not maximized on their T sides yet. Overall, it feels like they haven't really gelled. Shake hasn't really gotten down like kinda how he wants to get or at least he's not able to get like what he wants out of the team yet um, from his calling. So it definitely seems like they're still trying to figure out. To be fair, they did have a stand-in for this past event, but mm-hmm. so did Whalers. Yeah. And it, it feels like Whalers overall is a little bit more of a, a simple style that's a bit, um, I guess, like easier to play almost, especially if you have like a stand-in or something. But also to Triumphs, like if you're going to have like a style that's a bit more, you know, open-ended and a bit more chaotic like that, you're it's going to be a lot harder to consistently get down and if you're not on your point and like the calling's not on point then your team's just going to be kind of a mess yeah i I would rate junior pretty high as an opera as well because he as you said like his his ct side is phenomenal like he he knows when he needs to take initiative and he does it himself seemingly like i don't think shakes they're telling him to to aggro in a position every single time he knows when he has to take initiative he knows to fall off he he plays situations very very well for an opera who hasn't really been at the top level for a very long time, or played against player, uh, teams at the top level. Um, 
I think the the thing with Triumph is that they now really have to focus on developing a player like Penny, and that's just it feels almost like they have to start from scratch in that sense, where they don't have an experienced player like Grim because Grim just brings so much to a team. And when you lose that sort of element, and you have to like Penny has the potential, but when you have to replace that sort of experience, is where where you struggle. Yeah, I'm curious about like the positions some of them are getting put in because like. Curry, for instance, on the last lineup coming into the lineup was like a very hot name in, in the scene. And he kind of struggled a bit in the lineup. And obviously Penny was another name that's also kind of a struggle. He's had his moments in this lineup, but he also has overall kind of struggled a bit too. So I'm kind of curious about like the kind of positions those types of players are being put in and if they're maybe being put in their best spots to succeed. Yeah. And I if think... there may be like more that could be done there. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that like Junior looks really good. Moose is 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 really good, but he's also plays that he's like that re really passive rifler. So he's not going to be the guy that goes out there and makes a difference. He'll be the guy that if if you have somebody else on your team playing well, he can like sort of feed off of it and close out rounds because I think he's he's really good. He's really good as a passive rifler. He knows his timings really well. But if if you, if the whole team is getting owned, he's not going to have any impact. So he's like one of those players. He's almost like a um, he's kind of a luxury player. Where if your team is in a close game, battling it out, there's close rounds. He can, he can be the difference maker in those two v twos. But if you're just getting destroyed, he will have zero impact, and it'll feel like he's not even there. So he's kind of a luxury player. So having Junior makes sense. But yeah, like like you said, once they lost Grim and they lost that like that extra factor, I think they really did sort of fall off a cliff. I don't think Ryan has had any impact on this, uh, any positive impact on this team. And uh, Shake, Shake has been really struggling. Wait, who's touching who's on Ryan, Ryan a little bit? I'm no, Ryan. Oh yeah, he didn't play. Oh yeah, he didn't play. Right, right, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. Touching yeah. on Ryan a bit, I'm, I'm curious about yeah. your guys' thoughts on on them swapping Spongy for Ryan because like the role swap sort of makes sense, but personally, I I rated Spongy pretty highly as a player in terms of like just the fact that he would pick up a lot of the bitch roles and he would. Uh, like... I think it was just because like they got Moose because like because like you can't have perfect one one replacements once you lose mm -hmm. like Grim and then you lose Curry. So it's like the roles, so like Moose is kind of like the best available rifler, but obviously his roles conflicted a lot with Spongy. They really needed like another aggressive rifle, like like pretty much a polar opposite player to what Spongy was. So I think it's just, it was just a matter of the roles kind of conflicting and what you kind of need at the time. Um, I think Ryan just was, is a better fit than Spongy was, especially for their T sides. He's probably higher quality too. Uh, when he was on Envy though, he got a lot of bad roles. Like first, oh yeah, Ryan. Ryan got like he, all the bitch spots. Yeah. He, he wasn't even. He was worst. playing like lurk spots too, like like passive lurk spots instead of yeah. entering. So like, definitely, he was on Envy, and they just put him in some other fucking role that he's never it, done before. Classic. Wait, it would, Nifty as the in-game leader was doing was putting Ryan. No, I don't believe it. No, no, no. I don't he always it. sets up all his players perfectly. Wait, wait. I don't you know it. who would have done a good job? MSL. He would have, yeah. Next is <laughs> he would maximize his players, yeah. He'd He's it on road. He might make Ryan look like Kirby, for all I know, you know? Like next week. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Ryan would suddenly start shaking his mouse. I must sell was so funny because I remember we would we would be screaming like singularity, we'd be screaming teams like players like Ryan. And Ryan would just do something like so absurd, like anchoring a side or something. And MSL being new to NA would just go up like a deep side be like Ryan. <laughs> like, <laughs> just, just tilted just, by Ryan. Yeah, he's, just, he's just like, who are these people? Ah, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, yes. Welcome to practice in North America. Where yeah. like, somebody does something incredibly stupid, they're all laughing about it, and you're just sitting there like, great practice, guys. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> this is why we're going to win the next major. It was, it was right so funny. I can just imagine EU IGLs coming over and just being like, Hone alone, Ryan. <laughs> they they are always shocked for the first two months of practice <laughs> until they get used to it. They are like legitimately shocked when when top tier Europeans come over here and they have to practice here or they join a North American team. They're for the first like month or two. They're like, "What the fuck is going on?" Like no, that's, what, that's what, how I feel. That's how I feel. On? That's how I feel when I go to Europe and I scrim CIS teams and every yeah. single player in the server is like fucking simpler Zywoo, just on steroids it seems like like yeah. just the greatest people i've ever ever seen in the server the best scrimmers you've ever played against <laughs> i remember playing that qbf team one time like maybe it was before that major run they had or maybe something yeah. like that though and it was just like wow <laughs> this was this was a fucking experience i think it was like 27 to 3 or something they just like just ran us over just like just fucking boom. Just fucking, just absolutely shit on. Oh, there's some other than experience you can yeah. use for that, Davey. Yeah, I don't know what that. No, that was a, I don't know. I don't know how PG you want this, but you might have to bleep it. But that was a. Actually, never mind. I'm not going to say it. We got we 26 got, more by seized yeah. and Jr. So I'm just assuming everyone in CIS is actually just <laughs> the greatest players in the world, and I don't know how they don't have like four top five teams. True. If QBF were screaming like they had like five boomiches on that roster, I could imagine that being just the most. <laughs> infuriating thing to be up against dude is just unplayable on every single corner you're you're dealing with like a new problem it feels like yeah it was completely <laughs> unplayable it was yeah. it was ridiculous <laughs> um okay last team i wanted to give a little shout out to rbg in this uh i don't know what you guys have seen from them too much lately they didn't do that well in their group but that being said this is a team that it seems like from the outside at least is a team that you kind of hope NA strives to be a little bit more like, and when you look at the results, you're like, okay, they went 0-5 in the group. What is? What am I even talking about? It's that they bring uh, at least some semblance of structure to their game, and I haven't scrimmed against them personally, but I feel like they're practicing well based off of how they carry themselves in the server. I, I don't know if you guys mirror these sentiments. Yeah, they, uh, their coach is KJ, who used to be like a, like one of the first analysts in the scene for like Liquid and stuff, so... He's definitely helped to like bring like sense of structure to that team. Um, I'm also glad the season takes the approach of just keeping like the same five man lineup yep. for an extended yeah. period of time. It's been I over a year at this point. Yeah, so that's definitely like super impressive to do and like the semi pro NA scene. So they're definitely moving in the right direction. I kind of like everything they're doing at the moment. Um, obviously, just getting more experience and more matches against these teams will help them. And I do think a lot of them just got it got added to FPL, which will mm -hmm. help a lot of them individually. Mm hmm. So I'm excited to see where they go. I think all of those things are very unique and very cool, and it's a nice story. It's great that they've kept the same five-man lineup. They're trying to play good CS, but they're they're very easy to play against. They're, yeah. They were not hard to play against. They didn't have skill. They, none of their players felt like, oh, shit, this guy's just shitting on us. Their play style felt very readable, very predictable, yes. and I and it was just like they were not hard. To, they were not hard to play against. Just to, to be straight up honest, and I I don't even know any of them. I'm not trying to throw any shade about anything like that. I'm just saying, there's teams you play against that are like they're supposed to not be better than you. Like when you play against teams who are better than you, you can't try to beat them at their own game, right? Like right. you can't. So it's it's really hard to play that like proper nice style of cs against teams who are better than you because they're better than you at it and they're also just better than you individually so you you have no win conditions now when you do that 
you have to play your perfect game and hope they all play terribly if you want to beat teams who are better than you doing that. So I think it's a nice story and I agree with you. I think it's good. I actually think it's a good thing for the scene that these guys are learning how to play proper CS based on what you guys are telling me. I don't know anything about them, but based on what you guys just said, I think it's a good thing for the scene that they're learning how to play proper CS. And I think if they do manage to develop into better players in the future, that will bode well for them in their future careers. But for right now, it makes that team really easy to play against. Yeah, I don't think they're like world beaters or like, you no, know, yeah, top of them yeah. or anything. But obviously it's a good, it's a nice base for something to like to come out of NA, like a nice, a different type of team, a different type of like sh- structure to the team, like more, you know, actually sticking together beyond like four weeks. So yeah. it's just nice to see. It sets like a good example for the rest of the scene and other teams Agreed. around them. I think. You're, you're not the first player to like echo these sort of sentiments when I've talked about RBG to some players before. Um, it just seems to be that the deal with them is that they have like they have the idea behind the structure, but they just don't have the skill to back it up against teams that are or the experience like, slightly, or yeah. the experience that are even like slightly better than they are. The tough thing with structure, especially for a team like this, is that it's hard to get like a really good set of like structure because like the players are so like inexperienced as well. And so like a lot of these other teams around their level, like yeah, they're not as predictable. That's just because they don't even know like what they're doing either. They're just you know <laughs> running around like. That's the only reason that I don't know. Like I call it like fake depth. Like I don't know what they're doing because they don't know what they're doing. Like it's not it's not really just good structure and good, you know, hiding things from my team and stuff, you know. So because yeah, I remember playing against them and you're playing against them, and I remember even saying, I think if people who watch the mythic VODs or whatever, they can they'll see like we were even saying at the time, it's like these guys are like running strats. Like they they have real strats that they're running, but they don't understand what the counterplays are to their own strats. So somebody who has experience like it's like oh you're running this astralis execute from 2018 yeah i remember this i've been what i've been playing against teams trying to run this execute for the past two years you know what i mean so i know what the counterplays are to it and you don't because you haven't played against teams who counter you when you do it yet so in order to like run a strat like that you have to already know what what the counters to your strat are which have to be like worked out in practice so if you're playing against teams who can't counter you in practice you can't learn what the counters are which means when you play against the team who knows what the counters are you get shit on so you like there's so it's it's sort of like a, it's tough for them because you, you can't learn the counters to your structure because like structure it's like it's like a, it's just an up in the air word it's like okay structure just means we all know what we're doing but if if you all know what you're doing that means the other team can all know what you're doing and if you don't yeah. know how to respond to that then you're you're just then you're nothing it doesn't yeah, matter like, at a top level to having like good structure is having structure that like is easy for you to understand but for the other team just looks like fucking you they, they have no idea what's I, going on but that, that's I, so hard to do it's so hard to learn how to do that i think this team would have a massive leap if for some reason some kind of like and i don't know like some kind of moose person that just falls off of their team decides like they they would be down to join this kind of team so they have some contingency plans in the forms of players or someone that's willing to take a little bit more agency so like it's it's kind of like if they got a star player because in all honesty I can't name who the star is on this on this team yeah so it like for the list of names it's Pony Wiz G Manchu Hex and Walco like none of those names are like even probably in the top half of players that were at this IEM New York NA like they don't have like the one guy that's like a Grim or something like that where when Triumph kind of didn't have a great round but Grim was able to recover it it really like covered a lot it patched up a lot of their holes really in, like instantly it's just like okay we that that didn't go according to plan that call from shagzula may not have worked but grim was there to get a multi-frag right and there's just no one on rbg right now that feels like ah oh, man he's the guy that like that we read that perfectly but we just couldn't 
match him in that moment. And so until and I don't know if a player on their team is ever going to ascend like that because they have been together for what over a year now as a five. So it's it doesn't really feel like anyone is just going to break the mold and just set this team off in a way where they can start take like turning heads. But that being said, I feel like if some of these players as individuals did develop, they would be useful in a team of the future. So yeah, I just kind of right. I just wanted to give them a shout out for that. The tough thing, like especially as a, like a semi-pro team coming up, trying to keep the same five-man lineup is like obviously you do have aspirations to like make it to the highest level yes. that you can. And there's always like you're never. It's so rare that you're gonna have like all five people that are all capable, like the skill set enough to go pro. And like so eventually, you know, like you do need the skill. It's like just you do need the actual skill to actually get up and you know rise to the top level. And they're, you know. They're- a team that I feel like really suffered from missing out on making MDL last season because they were doing very well in advanced. And then I think not only did they fail in playoffs, they also failed in relegation that season. Uh, And not being able to get that extra season of MDL experience with their roster that early, I think really hamstrung their, their growth. Uh, It would have really helped them develop. And maybe at this point, if they hadn't progressed, we would be seeing a roster change. But I think the issue for them is they have kept this lineup. They just made MDL, and now they're thinking like we're gonna stick it out and see if we can improve. Whereas if they yeah. already had another season of MDL where they they had the sort of performance they've had so far, we might already be seeing changes for them. Yeah, and I think that would that would go a long way. But let's let's get off of them because I don't think too many people really know too much about RBG. Let's get into some of the news here that still stays somewhat on the NA side, I guess. Uh, first thing I wanted to bring up was Estatag actually rounding out this Cloud9 roster, and Whoa. this is an interesting pickup. It's a big one. Mix on the inside here probably made all of this happen, it was in Henry yep. G's ear, yep. and yep. Uh, was like, yeah, you should pay this guy 40000 a uh, a month. So Mix, why did you tell Henry G that? Well, I told Henry G that because I've seen Estetag play almost every single role in the game and perform well in all of them. So I've yes. seen this guy like playing like star positions as a rifler. Like the best version of Heroic was probably like the Blame F version, uh, the, like the Blame of the NATO version. And like he was like main oping on that team, and he like he he wasn't like lighting the world on fire with the main op, but like you know it's not like his first role. He was doing good. He's doing pretty good with it. And then, you know, him joining Astralis and just filling in for Zitniks and, like, playing so well as well as he has, like, it's just so impressive to see someone just, like, come in, play any position, like, any role, even if they have, like, their own preferences and just frag out and just play super well like that. So having someone like that, that can be aggressive, that can be passive, is going to be just so valuable to have. Yeah, I think he's a great piece to this roster. It's going to be interesting to see how he's utilized on it, because uh, he he's played the entry frag role before, but on Astralis right now where he sort of uh, really made an, like, re, re, sorry, put his name back out there, essentially. He was not playing an entry role. Like, it was still Dupree and Glaze sort of, sort of handling that. Uh, and now they, on Cloud9, he's sort of returning to that, it seems. So it'll be interesting to see how he's utilized and whether he can sort of keep maintaining the level that we've seen on Astralis, or at least be the, the piece that they need to finalize that roster properly. Davey, I'm interested in your thoughts, because I feel like they're a little bit more contentious. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to decide how much of it I want to I wanna throw out there right now is the thing. Because like, um, I think that I think that 
if you're picking Esetag up based on his recent performances in Astralis, which have been fantastic, truly, like amazing, like world-class level player in Astralis, in Astralis the last three months, you're basing that off of online tournaments with Astralis against good teams, but online, right? Where he's standing in as their sixth or seventh man playing in a role that fits him perfectly and he did amazing at it. And you're spending millions of dollars, three-year contract, and I would argue that and it was a role that I would argue that's a role that potentially didn't fit him like well at all. Well, I think the stats would completely uh, go against no, no. what you're saying. Well, no, I'm saying, but I'm saying before, like the best he's ever played in his career by far. Because I'm saying before he actually joined Astralis and he was the sixth man. He was playing that kind of other role before. He never played like that kind of like Sitnix type role. Now mm -hmm. he plays it for the first time. He obviously does it, does it very well. To me, that just shows like really good versatility in a player. To me, that shows he's now playing the role he was most comfortable in, and now, which is why he's hitting career best form. I think he's whereas, also whereas before he was just a good professional. No, I agree. The teammates yeah. make a huge difference. Like yeah. if yeah. you're if you're the huge difference, like you, so you're you're playing with four of the best players in the world in a role that you are now very comfortable in, clearly, and you're having career best form in a in a in a scene where everything's online now. Also, so it's like this literally unironically the stars aligned here for him you know what i mean like everything worked out perfectly for him to peak like this is like this is exactly what you wanted so i think it is a very risky move to spend so much money on a player bring them to north america well actually they'll be in europe for the first for the first little while right and up until like the next summer i think henry said they're going to be in europe it's up in the air it's gonna be yeah, like a year fair enough yeah, yeah fair enough so okay so bring them into a new team then let's say um potentially change roles around and then not only that now but now he's expected to be like the best player in the team he's the if he's like the guy on the team you are the carry now you're not playing with the vice you're not playing with magus you're not playing and you're playing a role that where you weren't hitting your career best form you're also one of the highest paid players in the world and you're in a three-year contract and you've never performed like this on land before so i think it's very risky I think it's a risky move. It might be worth the risk. Like, you know, there's a simple risk versus reward. You have to calculate when you're when you're Henry G and you're making this decision. So obviously the people at Cloud9 decided this was a risk worth taking. I don't necessarily think it was, especially role-wise. I think what's great about it is that we can look at the cost of it all. And and I think that's why this is all like I think esports and Counter-Strike is going to be elevated a lot in terms of enjoyment for fans once we start seeing the salaries for every player because i think that 40,000 a month making him probably one of the top 20 most highest played paid players in the world like that's where i draw the line as to like i don't think estatag is a top 20 player in the world like that's Agreed. the that kind of value there like if this contract were say 15,000 a month i'd be like dude great pickup like this rounds out their roster so nicely good stuff but like he is he getting paid more than Alex? He is, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm but I mean, sure. no, like it, it depends. It depends how much the buyouts was. I guess also buyouts. like yeah. a different context to like when you get Alex, who's currently teamless, and when you get Waxic, who's currently yes, dead, compared to yeah. drawing S attack away from Astralis, like you can't just you know pay them the same like the same amount as someone. That's a factor that's where you know that's a factor where value kind of changes based on the context of contract. I think. Right, which is where, where I was talking about before. You have to weigh up the risk versus reward because that just adds more risk. So the reward yeah. then has to be greater. And also a big plus that I actually just thought of is that our comms are going to be very good because we have like two UK people and Alex 
and Mezzi. We have Floppy. And then we have Estetag, who sounds American. I don't know if you've yeah. ever heard him speak, but yeah, yeah I've heard him speak before, American. yeah. <laughs> so our comms are going to be great. <laughs> International I, team. I just think, like, ideally, from watching Mezzi's demos and from playing against Floppy for however long, and then watching Estetag on Astralis when he's at his peak, the three of them, the three of them are ideally playing the same roles. That so, is something uh, I, I agree, floppy, kind of I think, agree with. I think Floppy yeah. is very versatile. Uh, same with Esetag. I think Floppy. So, you, so, you, so, so wait, so you bought three players that are very versatile. No, but no, that I'm all saying, ideally play the same. No, but no, but you said, but you said that. No, no, I don't. I don't think Floppy. I don't think Floppy plays the same roles as Esetag or Mezzi in terms of like what they prefer. I think there's a difference between the spots you like and prefer, and then like and what the spots, spots you can actually play. The, no, but, that too, with the spots you're best at, and also the spots that you're comfortable with in play, I think it changes drastically from player to player. Some player, no, one player, I don't think so. One player that plays like Barrel on Overpass Monster might be comfortable being the rotator as well, and another player might not be comfortable doing that at all. But just because the player is comfortable doing that, like the whole thing was, like their whole thing was, I'm going to buy players for specific roles that fit this system perfectly, and then instead you bought three players that are all like comfortable doing a whole bunch of different things it doesn't it just doesn't really fit what was said originally <laughs> so, so i i'm trying to be a mediator here a little bit because i i'm, I think, I'm just curious like, no, 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 like no, i'm I, saying no, i'm saying like your points here it's like yeah. once like one super set way like one super set slot way that they played in the previous team that's like the only way they can play and that's like the best thing for them to do um i don't think it's like the case with certain players i think they all have different different there's different context of the spots they were playing in their old teams um, in terms of the other players around them and just, you know, what they can actually do and what they maybe might prefer. I feel like I must not be, communi I must not be communicating what, I, what I'm saying well because I'm not saying that Esetag isn't capable of playing different roles. I'm saying that ideally the, the three of them, when, they're, when, they're, when they were playing at their best, all played the same roles. I think Esetag's more, definitely more of a risk in that way in that we haven't seen... He's, like, switched around a bit. So, you know, yes, we've seen his best roles, like his currently best play and Astralis in terms of playing Spitness's roles. But historically, his preferred roles and like kind of like what his main role was, at least in Heroic, was was playing like kind of more of those rotator and like star roles. And obviously, it also is going to differ as well when he goes from playing with IGLs like Snappy and Katie into playing with, you know, right. Glaive, Magisk, Alex. He's going to be playing in more set teams. There's going to be more to more to those teams and potentially set him up to play even better in those spots. My yeah. question for the C9 roster is who's running in first of these riflers, actually, because I don't really see of these four names, even even in, I think Alex actually is almost like the most likely to run in first, which is kind of concerning uh, for me in terms. What like, do you mean, like run in first, like execs, okay. like defaults? Because to just me, like, like a scaling, just scaling, let's say scaling just, on, on, just on scaling. an entry. to me, who, like who's, who's going to be the person who scales? I literally think any of them can. So in the in the I think, I think Henry G said that Esetag would be the entry slash aggressive rifle. That's why yeah, my that's, initial point was that mm. seeing him in that role is not what really is not what he's been doing recently, and not what his best performance was recently either. So that's why yeah, so that's kind of more very very questionable. Not necessarily questionable, but I think that the idea is that the amount that they signed him for is questionable based on the role that he's going to have on this team. Yeah. yeah, I think you could argue the amount is, is questionable and arguable, but I think there's also one, there's probably the factor of the fact that they got to keep Floppy for free, which obviously I'm sure opens up some of the budget. And so, you know, I think it's, all, it's, you, it's about getting like, you need to get a fifth player also that like 
because you have like floppy and Mezzi, like your two inexperienced players. And I think Estatag is also a safe bet and that you probably know he's not gonna come in and just be like a massive fuck up and just be like actually just just, just like shit. You know, he's gonna come in and just be a complete failure. Like at the very least, like you know he's probably gonna come in, he's gonna play pretty well, he's gonna be a very stable, very stable teammate. And that's very I think valuable to have for a team that's trying to get itself like started from the ground up. No, I, I actually do agree. And I think what might have fucked everything up is originally that you guys didn't think that, or Cloud9 didn't think that they were keeping Floppy. So you signed Mezzi because you didn't think you were keeping Floppy. And then all of a sudden, Floppy wants to stay. But now you already want Esetag. So now you're keeping Floppy. You've already signed Mezzi, yeah, and you want to get Esetag. And I think, think Esetag's a great one, signing. I think Esetag's a great signing, actually. I do. And mm -hmm. I think that keeping Floppy was good, too. But I think that th what fucked it up is that you signed Mezzi because Cloud9 didn't think they were keeping Floppy. So, so then out of everyone, I don't, I I don't think, think that Mezzi's signing... I don't I think, think Floppy's role is going to change the most out of everyone, and compared to what he was doing before, I think he'll be picking up more. Like, I mean, I can't say for sure because it's not like we talk about it. But ideally, like, kind of what I've always seen for Ricky in my mind, the kind of the player I've always envisioned him, I think kind of like his maximum at least was almost like a JKS type player, like kind of like that lurker anchor. That's where he's like really good at working by himself and having a ton of impact. And it's something I wanted almost to see us do more on like the old Cloud Nine, like kind of switched out with Sonic at times, um, and I don't think we really did that much. So. That is definitely one thing that I think will. That's definitely not like one one carried over from the previous team. Yeah, is like, that floppy goal will change the most. Yeah. So, like I was saying, I think that the the signing that in the context of everything that happened, the signing that I think doesn't make sense anymore is the Mezzi signing, not Esetag. I think Esetag is actually a great signing. I think like I I think he's not a great signing in the context of everything that's already happened. But I think if if Mezzi didn't get signed, then ha floppy and Esetag is really good. Mm -hmm. But I think now that you have the three of them, it doesn't make sense anymore. Messi's definitely an unknown, and I yeah. definitely think it'll help to have like a Ricky though that is kind of not like super shaped, like because you know obviously he's had like his preferred spots and stuff, and it's like his old team. But also he hasn't he's only played in like two teams before, so it's not like he's like super set as a player and like what he wants to do and what he has to do in a team. And also I think in game religion, like his old team, he probably was had a bit more like different expectations on his shoulders in terms of what he had to do and the kind of roles he had to play. So. Definitely, I think Mezzi and Floppy will be the two interesting ones on this team to watch and see kind of how they fill into the team. Something I'm really curious with these with these role overlaps at the moment is Henry's already said that he plans to sign a sixth player, not necessarily in the immediate future, but at some point. And I'd be curious to see who, like, what sort of player he settles on for that. I would just pick any aggressive rifler with with skill. Honestly, at this point, yeah. I would I would have to agree that with that. Just give me Bubsky, honestly. <laughs> Dude, that's what I'm just saying. Keep... At this point, Bubsky made more sense than Esetag, even though I think Esetag's better. Just yeah, just, yeah. I, I I I agree with that too. I I kind of thought that. I think Esetag, Esetag, I think Bubsky would have been really weird role wise actually. Like theoretically, he's more aggressive than the other two, but spots wise and role wise, I think he actually fits worse than Esetag does in terms of his utility. Because Bubsky is more set in terms of like he wants to play more like those anchor and lurk spots. And so that would have been forcing one of Floppy either to, like, so now we're going to abandon that kind of, like, thing. Or Messi's going to have to go into playing more into, like, playing more of the pack and with Alex, most likely. So he's going to have to take up more of, like, a larger role immediately. Which, obviously, you could say fits him more compared to what he's doing in his, like, old teams. But that does change, like, the pressure and expectations. So at least in my mind, I don't think, I think Esetag was better than Bubsky. Interesting. 
Okay. I think okay. I think Assetag's a little more well-rounded and versatile than Bubsky is. Which no, helps. I, I agree he is. Which, I just which think I think, fits a specific role better. Yeah, I th which I think especially helps, though, with a team that's being built from the ground up. And even if, like, you build up with, like, certain roles in, in minds and stuff, when you get, like, five new players, it's going to be hard to, like, fully flesh that out and see exactly, like, where everyone's going to be playing and let how me, it's going to fit. Let me sum up this, this conversation with just one simple question. In... Six months time, so April of next year. Let's do the beginning of April next year, April Fools. Uh, where do you guys see this Cloud9 roster being in the world ranking? Note. I wanna I wanna hear from you first. Um honestly I can I would rate them as probably a top five team in six months. Maybe a top maybe a top top five might be a bit rough. I would say maybe a top Eight team. I don't think that I think they'll be past the top ten. They're probably around the top eight. Okay, Davy. Great. Are, are, is everything staying online, or is it? Are we assuming it goes back to lands in January? Question. Oh, that's a good question. Maybe um, there's like some. Thank lands you. That's a very good question. Yeah. Like basically, like let's just say hypothetically for the context of the question. For the for the context of the question, there is one land in two lands in March or something. Lands come back in March, just for the hell of it. I don't know why. Let's I'm say, let's say there's two lands but... before April. Yeah, two, two lands, lands before, before April. April. No, because we already know there's going to be more than two. Like at the end of this year, there's going to yeah, be. Yeah, I don't know, dude. Fuck yeah, I'm going, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm if going top actually... ten. Let's just say yes, okay. lands will be back. Let's just say that. Yeah. Uh, in that case, I think. Um, oh, if lands are back. If lands are back, I think top fifteen. Yeah, I think they're lower. I think they're worse. What? I think so. Look, I'm being I'm being nice. All I'm saying is I think top fifteen. The thing is that uh, the thing is that we the person we haven't talked about yet is Waxic, who can always pop off. I think a lot of it will come land down. Walks to, yes, on yeah. land. Yes, no, like I'm saying, yeah. like, like he actually can pop off. So um, I think that that's that's definitely a good thing for them. Alex has a ton of land experience. Esa yeah, has a ton of land true. experience. So like ignoring Floppy and Mezzi, you have three. You have a core three of really good experienced land players That's so yeah. i do think that they will be able to perform on land i i still don't think they're as far as whatever we've already talked about it but i i, I don't i don't think they're going to be um i think they're going to be top 15 would be my guess give but a number I, give it give a number fucking 12 bro like i don't know okay <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay all right eyes of Hang on. <laughs> right, floating around that top 10, but they're yeah, yeah. exactly. Down, you know? So as of April 5th, okay, the HLTV rankings on April 5th, 2021, Cloud9 will be number 6. Okay. Number exactly. Six. Yep. Okay. Wait, no, what did you say? I didn't want to copy you. You said top 5. I said top, I said top 5, but corrected myself to like top 8-ish. Top 1. Uh, oh, I would have said ninth. I would have said ninth place in, okay. by, by April 5th, 2021. Alright, let's move on. Uh, okay. 100 Thieves leaving CSGO. A couple of the players have already moved or kind of rumored to move to a couple different teams. JKS, big rumor to Complexity. Uh, Jacob is actually moving to Apex. Not Apex Legends. There's a team called Apex, if you guys are not familiar with it. Uh, Norwegian team. Uh, but then we have Gratis Faction, we have Azur, and we have Liaz. And... Uh, Let's, let's start first with just like the broad topic of this. 100 Thieves leaving CSGO. A um, little bit of a eulogy for this team. Uh, consistent legend status at majors prior to this. Um, or actually not as 100 Thieves, but when they were as Renegades. Um, but it's a bit of a shame. It's a bit of a hit to the NA scene. 
so what do you guys think? How do you guys think this will affect, at first, the NA landscape? Because now there's just one, straight up, there's one less team in NA for these NA teams to practice against. Uh, I mean, yeah, it just kind of sucks. One less team, less practice overall. So always was already kind of uh, kind of dire. And now losing 100 teams is obviously a big blow to the practice scene in NA. So kind of sucks. Yeah. Note, you want to go or Alex, one of you two? Yeah, I mean, losing losing a team like Hundred Thieves is definitely going to be a huge, going to have a huge effect on the practice in North America because now you have what like three, four lineups that are actually like, have top level experience that are going to be scrimming, and then out of those three or four lineups, two of them are about to leave to Europe as well. So, like over the next six months or next four months, it's going to be very difficult for any North American teams to really gain any experience that are outside of that element. Um. Also, I think Krat might also be moving to to Valorant. I know you posted like a looking for looking for team for CS and Valorant. Yeah. So like losing a player like that entirely would also be a bit detrimental. Also, I feel like once you do that, now all of a sudden all all the CS teams are like, all right, never mind, go play mm -hmm. Valorant. You know what I mean? Like as soon as you post looking for CS or Valorant, all of a sudden any decent Counter Strike team that was looking at you is just like, okay, never mind. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'd kind of disagree in Krat's case because he. I don't think going back home is really an option for him at the moment. So, you know, kind of need to find something soon. He just needs a job. Yeah. No, no, like, no, I agree. No, yeah. Like, like, no, I actually think going to Valorant's a good move for him, to be fair. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't, I, I think when Org, like, was interested in CS and took that away from him just because he was, like, look interested in Val as well, be kind of, kind no, of, no, silly. I'm not, not necessarily talking about the team, talking about the players. It's just yeah. like, okay, how committed are you, though? Like, how, how committed are you actually? Right. Like, th 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 that would be my thought process. Yeah. Okay, let's uh let's do some hypotheticals briefly for where the I, Okay, we kind of did Wait, this I already. Wait, I actually want to say something about 100 Thieves. Yeah, but I want to I hear Davies. I want to say something about 100 Thieves. So yeah, like Yeah, sure, sure. I feel like first of all, the, in the Twitch chat in their last game, there was people like saying like, "Oh my god, 100 Thieves throwing disband shit team." And I remember thinking like, "Okay, that's pretty funny actually." Like cuz <laughs> they are disbanding and you just yeah, don't know. It's pretty so funny. It's pretty funny. Yeah. It is. It's pretty funny actually. But not only that, like so people are like throwing shade at 100 thieves like the org for leaving and i want to say like when you look at the con like i don't know anything that went on behind the scenes but their contracts are up at the end of the month right so jks signed a complexity for for free he just at the end of his contract he's going to complexity right so are they? yeah their contracts well, are up at the end of the month are they I guess that's why he's not been announced yet because they're just right waiting yeah, yeah, yeah they're waiting out for the contract to expire so first of all good job complexity huge move yeah. on your part you got, you got a top you got a top 10 player in the world for free that's incredible um at least i think he's a top 10 player although, although on that point um apex did buy jacob so i don't know they might have wanted odd that they would choose to, do, to buy him with a month left they might have wanted they might not have, maybe jacob's contract was longer i don't know they might not have been able to get jacob unless they bought him like i don't know True. like that kind of move makes me feel like this is almost like a money power move from the Apex organization and that they're like, we're serious. We're going to get Jacob. We're trying yeah. to stay with the Norwegian brand. This is the best Norwegian player. Yeah. And we know we can do this right now. So and, and again, and I don't know if he joins in free agency. And again, I don't know anything like 100% from behind the scenes, anything like that. But I know their contracts were up at the end of the month. So I'm just making the assumption since JKS is being waited so long to be announced and yeah. Complexity hasn't officially said anything that they're just waiting for the contract to expire and then signing him. Right. Or, or he signed some sort of pre-contract deal. Um, so something along those lines. But then also, if you're 100 Thieves, right? And you're, you're losing Jacob, 
you're losing JKS. Why would you keep Gratisfaction, Liaz, Azar, and build a new team on on those salaries? Like why? Like actually, why would you? You just lost your two most valuable assets. Like what? what what's what's is, the point? I think it was more like JKS wanted out because exactly. wasn't. So I thought it was like the other way around. Because as far no, as I no. know, as far as I know, that team like JKS and all of them like they probably would have stuck together like if like the org and everything was like if everything like was panning out like the way maybe things should have this year. But obviously with Corona and everything, it's kind of thrown everything into a fucking spiral. Right. So so like my my, my only point was at this point it actually makes sense for both parties to yeah. like JKS go to complexity, Jacob go do your thing, Grat go play Valorant. 100 Thieves will just back out for now, come back in later when it makes more sense. You know what I mean? Like, I think this actually makes sense for everybody. I don't think anybody here should really be getting flamed, to be honest. What about Nadeshot for not watching the the game, Davey? Don't be like this. Yeah. We're, we're a trauma podcast now. <laughs> no, yeah, I know. I, I, I didn't want to get into it. I didn't want no, to No, it's just like... It. Breaking news. Nadeshot not watching 100 Thieves? Final? Like, who cares? Who fucking <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, that's not nade shot stream. That's not that's not what this pod is about. All right, no, we're gonna move on briefly, no, yeah. incredibly quickly. Actually, I, I just wanted to talk about then um, Jacob joining Apex. I don't know if you guys know this team at all. Uh, I have actually watched them a handful of times because they played in a lot of home sweet home cups and those nine to fives and things like that. Uh, and this team has Dennis. The the names that anyone would know are just Dennis, Jacob, and maybe if you like caught a brief glimpse of this team at one point, you would know Marcellius because he's their opper and he's pretty much been their best player. Other than like it's kind of like Dennis and Marcellius win them games, and honestly, I, the rest of the team was kind of not great at times. So, like, what do you think? What do you guys think though about the career trajectory for Jacob? That you know, top ten team in the world, pretty much constantly and then now this is like the 65th best team in the world i actually i haven't checked their updated ranking today but last i checked they were like in the 60 year range like what what does this mean for jacob is he is he doomed to tier two tier three eucs forever now like so jacob uh, moving to this team doesn't really surprise me just given the circumstances of 100 thieves leaving because i know that Jacob and Rain have both considered like creating a Norwegian lineup for a long time. Um, so it's it's not necessarily a surprise. It's just the fact that they're not quite at the sort of level you'd expect for a team for Jacob to join. Like he definitely could have had a better prospect on on an international lineup or like another top 20, top 30 team. But it seems like he sort of wants to take his experience to like a domestic scene and sort of help build that up because there hasn't really been a Nor like a top Norwegian team. Uh, I'd be curious to see if they if they like try getting rain at some point, whether that's in a year or in a few months, because I, I, I would not be surprised in the least if that's that's part of their plans in the future. I think I think during coronavirus, this kind of move actually makes a lot more sense. I think the, I think like to talk about just like the external factors like you know he's been away from norway for a long time and the fact that he can now move home and probably get a if they were willing to buy him out of the 100 thieves uh contract this team is paying him like real money so he you actually gets remember like if there was pretty much no time left on the contract the buyout would have been minuscule like it would have yeah it would have been less nothing it would have been practically nothing 
it would have been less. But the fact that he can move home now to a domestic team and resume life back in Norway, like how long has he be, been just like an expat in, in America? Like yeah, a years. damn long time. Yeah, it, it's pretty... It's kind of like it's kind of nice that he gets to return like this. And I don't really even though he's taking a huge step down in terms of the quality of team that he's on. I actually think for a life quality standpoint that this is a, pr a really good move for him. Uh, so I I'm a little bummed because but like he could easily elevate this team. And I just checked. They're the 75th best team in the world. I think with Dennis and Jacob, they are going to shoot up to at least top 45 within the next couple months for sure. I think so. that like based. Like, I feel like the only way he goes to this team is if there's some, like, long-term plan for the future where yeah. you go after a Rain, you go after a Croman, go after a yeah. Halzerk when Dignitas fucking dies, right? Like, <laughs> you, you, you get, you get, you get yeah. the Halzerk, you get your Rain when, when Faze, when Nico leaves Faze and Faze falls apart, you got Rain, Croman, Halzerk. You actually have a lot of really talented Norwegian players you could bring into this lineup, right? So I think, I think this is just, like, the first step in their let's just say their plan you know what i mean where it's like okay first we get jacob because he team time's running out on 100 thieves this is our first like um intent signing that like shows we're serious right you get we get jacob and then eventually you work towards the bigger players that you want more and more in the future over the next however long like they signed jacob for three years right which is like you have a lot of time to develop a roster over three years especially with the fact that it's it's been something they've considered before. Like Jacob and Rain have considered grouping together on his team before. So like, well, obviously aside from G2 phase, but like, yeah, I can, I can definitely see them spending the next few years sort of building a, a Norwegian super team as it is. This signing actually just legitimately gets me excited for the future of Counter-Strike and EU CS that a 75th best team in the world org is willing to get someone like Jacob. Like I actually think that's just really sick for the scene because in you look at NA and it's so dire. It's just a drought out here. It's like what are we what's even happening? But over in EU it seems like it's a paradise. Like Jacob on the 75th best team in the world and they're paying him a lot. Like probably that's that's just cool to me. Well, Norway too, right? Is that uh, because of how their economy works? Like the cost of living there is so expensive, but like the the salaries are like inflated to match it. So yeah. what in Norwegian, like like the Nordvind years ago was making like six thousand euros a month, like ridiculous salaries. That was like, wait, why? That's the realized, average, dude. Oh no, but that's but like the cost of living in Norway is like scaled up to meet that. So like you have yeah. to like under Norwegian law, like minimum wages and shit. Like you have to pay people way more than so like it's actually it's a weird thing it's, it's just a weird thing so the numbers uh for norwegian teams have always been a little weird because it like almost doesn't make sense outside of norway mm. interesting it is okay it looks, weird. it looks like we're gonna have davy for i think the rest of the pod so i'm gonna just start yes. jumping into more more eu stuff so let's bring it back then to uh talking about the games have you guys been keeping up with DH Open EU? There were some games this morning. I admittedly uh, did not catch those because I was asleep. Did you guys see any anything that started these this playoffs? Though I saw everything from the group stage, though, like literally everything. Um, no, in a short okay. answer, no. All right, all right, all right. It doesn't look like there were. It doesn't look like there were any big upsets or anything like that. So let's um, talk briefly then about. What, I'll, I'll just start with what I saw on the group stage, and you guys can feel free to jump on. So from group A, Vitality and Fnatic, I was bummed that Fnatic didn't make it out of that group. 
uh, or as the winner, they were in the upper bracket. OG is like, I think I want to just talk about OG briefly because it seems like the community does not understand how good this team is. Like this team is really damn good. Uh, like they have really good players. They have a really good game plan going into every match. You can see that they are really good in the clutch too now. And they just were in a really effing hard group. Like if they were in any of these other groups, if they were in group D, they easily win it. If they were in group B, they easily could have been, they could have beat G2, probably beat heroic. Um, I just wanted to shout them out because I don't think everyone is recognizing that this team is like really damn good right now. Have you guys seen any OG lately? Um, yeah, I think that, um, sorry with OG, it's a little bit strange because I don't, like you said, I think they're, uh, they're actually underrated because they're trying yes. to do things that are really, really good. Um, I, if I'm going to be honest, and this is kind of like boring, it's almost like, oh, there it goes again. But like, I think that MBK has really underperformed on this team and not, not, not even just stats wise, but like there's rounds where he's making uncharacteristic mistakes. I think that might be also, there's an asterisk next to everything because everything's online. So it just, it just makes everything a little bit weird for like an older experienced player like that. Yeah. Um, and, and literally like the game is actually different by the way, like for people who don't know, like the game online versus on land is actually a different game. Like CT sides are completely different online versus on land. So it's just, um, it's a little, it's just, it's just a little strange. I think that overall, I agree with you though. They are underrated. And also Alexi B, even though the team is playing well and he is the in-game leader and all this stuff, he has been an actual hindrance on their CT sides in a lot of games mm, where yeah. he, he, where he does get abused. Like he really does teams target him a lot. So when him and MBK are playing close together, you, you, there's like this weird sort of weakness in their CT sides, but again, online. So hard to know for sure. But do, I do agree with you. Mantu actually looks like a fucking beast, by the way. Mantu's sick. He's sick. Like that was a great pickup. Yeah. That is some excellent is my offer too. Mm-hmm. You wanted him for uh for C9? No, I just picked him last him? week. Oh, okay, right, right, right. Over Zaiwu. Over Zaiwu. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, yeah. Now yeah, that's true. a bold that's a bold move, Cotton, but <laughs> I wanted to be different. <laughs> no, look, I I completely respect it. Yep, see? See? <laughs> no, 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 Davey, don't encourage You're me. wrong. No, you're wrong, but I respect <laughs> it. Like um, okay, I'll keep going. For Group C, I think Group C is also probably one of the most surprising groups here. Uh, big being on top is not surprising, but Godsent over FaZe, that was just a really close match. But you could tell from the veto there that, okay, Mirage went to went to FaZe, they picked that and they won that. But then Nuke was like, it was 16-11, but Godsent just was clearly so much more comfortable on that FaZe's map. Nuke looked fucking awful. Uh, yes, the yes. They lost against Saw, I think, as well. Dude, they did. They did Faze's lose Saw. Nuke like, has never impressed me, honestly. Nico, like... Nico just doesn't seem to be that comfortable like doing having as much impact as a guy like Nico should oh. outside. Um, yes, exactly. Like, cold I, at ramp. About that. Cold at ramp seems to be very hit or miss. I don't yeah. know how how well that's actually going for them. It's just yeah. their spots are just very weird at the moment. Like they make sense theoretically. I understand why they're playing why they are, but yeah. like they, they just don't they just don't really seem to be like operating well at the moment. I would probably. I, yeah, Nico just doesn't understand outside as an individual, which is weird to say about a player of his caliber, but like he needs to just watch some demos. Like in all honesty, because the fights that he takes, he's just they're wrong. They're the wrong fights at like the wrong times. And there's like the little micro things where it's like, okay, what do you do when a guy throws the lurk smoke outside and you throw the little like half wall or the half 
the half like a uh, big red thing outside like mm -hmm. where where are you supposed to position in those kind of moments and where should your crosshair placement be and for a player of nico's caliber he doesn't know where to look and that's just like for and someone on his sensitivity yeah he can flick hit flick shots but like he's good when his crosshair is in the right spot and it's not outside which is strange so that's that's probably why they're not that is definitely why they're not good at nuke on inferno um it just feels like godsent on their t side like they they just have plans for like what they're gonna do in the round and it's never it doesn't need to be super complex or anything like that but they just they just you know if they get b con banana control they'll just be exec and even though the players on b are incredible for phase like they just you just can't hold every b exec just shit like that um phase dropping here it's a little surprising but i feel like that iem new york win was kind of just like it almost just felt like everything that went right for them kind of could and in the finals they won that like double ot game versus og on mirage if i'm not mistaken yeah but then i they didn't never feel like they were gonna replicate it yeah they never had to go to like their bad maps is the thing like in that bo5 yeah. if that bo5 veto went differently i think they could have lost to og because i think that if og had momentum there they could have won that just kind of basing it off of how bad they've looked on maps like nuke like their map pool is it's a puddle actually so i think it's a slower back it will have yeah. some good games though phase versus vitality or nip yeah og yeah. versus g2 will be good also and from godsend that guy owns by the way yeah that that guy's really good. he's hella good he's he's like good. he's like the european pwn alone but not an opera you know he's, just kinda like, <laughs> he's, he's like, like 25 he's like 20 no he's got to be like 27 Is he? isn't he Dude, he's 28 he's, he's 28 i was gonna say oh, i think he's literally i know dude he's old bro like but that guy that guy just is so good though he's so good he he's like that player where you're watching him and you're like, you're, you're going to make a mistake soon. I'm watching this demo until I see you fuck up. Until I see you make a dumb mistake. I'm going to watch it. And you watch the whole demo. All right, I'm going to go to the next one now. Like, all right, let's see. Come on. No, this one's going to have a really big mistake in it. I can feel it. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Okay, you know what? That one didn't have one. But, oh, you're playing against like Astralis now? One of the best teams in the world? All right, I'm going to watch. The, you're going to make mistakes in this one. Nope, he pretty much only missed shots. He never made a big mistake. That's <laughs> that's awful. Like it's just that's the type. Like he's nuts. He's so smart. He plays the game so well. Yeah, yeah. I I've uh, I've noticed that he's had better ratings. But the player that pops off to me the most is Modern. I feel like he's the he's the yeah. godsense bailout guy. Like when things like his lurks on even like Vertigo sometimes they'll just send him a ramp solo as they're doing something else kind of towards mid or B, and it's like Vertigo A is one of the hardest things to handle as a solo player on the T side. And I've seen him multi-frag as just there by himself, no assistance whatsoever. And I feel like, and it's just like really good aim, like knowing how to juggle situations very well. Like Modern has this sixth sense about him where it just feels like sometimes he knows where he's going to get peaked. Like he, he like can choose what spot to look at before he's peaked every time. And if you were like watching on MM an MM review or something like that, you'd be like, this guy's wall hacking or something like that. Like he's just why is he why does he know where he's gonna get peaked from every time? So he's super smart too. And I'm it's kind of like this player out of nowhere, but for Godsent, I think Zen has been their most consistent, but Modern has been this guy that's just like, okay, he's a contingency plan for when something else on the map just doesn't go right. So I'm I'm actually really impressed with this Godsend team. I it, they're like they they look on paper like a poor man's phase but then they just beat phase <laughs> so yeah it's cool it's cool to see a hungry team like that actually
Because you know Crystal actually buys into the IGL role. Well, yeah. You just <laughs> yeah. gotta, right? You just yeah. gotta. Like, you, just, <laughs> you just have uh, to. Uh, other groups in this. Group B, I think that's kind of more or less as expected. I think G2 are showing a surprisingly decent form at this tournament. Mm -hmm. uh, they they beat they like they actually took a map off of astralis and they shit on them on dust two that was 16 to 2 by the way like they actually just manhandled astralis there french teams on dust two astralis made the mistake the what's, cardinal sin yeah what's crazy about it is that astralis in that game okay so g2's t side they got 13 rounds and astralis got 11 first opening kills and it was just like g2 didn't even care G2 didn't even care when they lost players. They just were like, eh, we're still going to run the cat same cat exec we were going to run, and it just works. And it's just like, okay, that just shows you don't need to, like, get crazy. I think some IGLs, when they lose a player, they're like, oh, shit, I got to do something different. But then Nexus just like, nah, we're fine with that. Just three-man cat exec, I'll lurk out long late, and it, they, lurk out long late, and it was fine. Like, they just didn't, they were, they were fine on that one. It's literally um, the cardinal yeah. sin, man. Don't play French teams on Dust Two. Don't play MDL teams on Mirage. It's the the, the <laughs> rule number one, rule number two. If you're yeah. like a if you're a team who's better than the team below, like if you're playing a team who's worse than you, so if you're Astralis, pretty much everyone, you have to follow the two basic rules. Okay, French team, X Dust Two, MDL team, X Mirage, and that's it. And then you're fine. Yeah, yeah, that's the flow chart for the. That Vitos. is that's literally that that's the that's the veto flow chart right there. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, it's. That was kind of weird, but Heroic dropped a game to them, but like that also feels very Heroic, because Heroic CT sides are just... like They always want an opening pick, and I think that's been characteristic of Cadian uh, teams for a couple years now, that he always either... he like Rogue was, I think, the best case of this, where when he was playing in North America, he like he would just go for the craziest picks with the op. Like it's like, I mean, today they don't look as crazy, but like running into hut with an op on nuke, you know, just like forcing a pick. And that's why it always looked like Kadian was kind of this guy that was when his emotions ran too hot and he was not comfortable with the situation or like something was stressing him out too much in a game or something like, and his form drop, you just know heroic's going to lose, but that's just uh, the Kadian. So I, I feel like, Wait, Mix, when you were coaching Rogue, was Kadian on the roster, or was that just MSL no, solely? just MSL, yeah. Okay. MSL right. was the reason I joined. He stole me from Davey. True. Yeah. And then very... Yeah, and then we got Alex, I think, after that? Yeah. Wow, yeah. this is, is kind of weird. This is a space... It's space station time. It yeah. should be the name of this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's space station time. Uh, space, okay. space station and note. <laughs> um all right i'll just okay let's just let's just move on then uh really quickly predictions for the rest of dreamhack open europe uh davy let's just go with you first who do you think is going to be in the grand finals and who's going to come in third place uh i think you could see big in the grand finals uh they're going to play the winner of vitality and nip and i think that big will actually be weird favorites in that one not weird favorites because they have been really good but you know, I think I think I, I actually would probably assume they would beat either of those teams. Then the the other uh, the other upper semis, you have Astralis Fnatic. I think Astralis is a pretty safe bet because it's Astralis, so they just always are. But honestly, I think that's a little bit more coin flippy than uh, generally you would assume. I think Fnatic has a good chance of taking them. Um, as far as like the teams in the bottom, I'm just looking. I don't think OG will make it through. Sorry, 
Um, same with it's too, too long of a lower bracket run. I think, I think it's literally going to be Astralis, Fnatic, Big, top three. And pick, pick pick your order. I think it's kind of a... At that point, it's just you're just flipping a coin over and over again. But I think one of those three uh, will win, and then the other one will be second, and the other one will get third. I'll go for uh, Astralis led by Cloud9, Superstar, Esetag for one of the finals. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, we're bringing it back. And then uh, Vitality will be the other finalist. And then the, uh, oh. the third place team will be uh, will actually be NIP. I know it's oh. surprising, but that's how it's going to be. Okay, note, I was going to let you go next, but NIP will not be there. Okay, <laughs> Nock has, like, Nock is fitting back in again, and in all honesty, they're getting better every game, but they open this by losing to Sprout. Yeah. And, and I just really like NIP. Okay, you, like, you can like them, but, like... <laughs> Okay, they no, wait, went no, to Alex. They, let me let, let me rephrase the question. <laughs> Mix. Which of the the teams that are remaining in the tournament are your favorite teams? One to three. <laughs> <laughs> no, so really, Astralis. It'll be Astralis and Vitality in the final, and then the third okay. place decider will be Fnatic and IP. Okay, I'll go Fnatic. Actually, Fnatic will win. I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> but when you've seen, but when you when you've experienced an IP like I have at I am Katowice. It's they're just ingrained into your mind, to your memory. So for the for like I don't know if you guys know this or like Knock is this is the first tournament back in a while. It's been Threat that's been playing for them lately, and actually they've been pretty serviceable. But this is like they're not as well oiled as they were before. I'll say that they don't look as as good. Oh, it's not even Threat though. So no, no, you go, and then I'll give my my preds. I would go Astralis Vitality for the finals here. Um, in consolidation Ooh. final, I'll take. I'd say big makes it to the consolidation final. Maybe a big, uh, big fanatic consolidation final. So really top daring. Four, top four would be Astralis yeah. Vitality. Someone's got to be daring here, dude. Someone else. All okay, right, on. daring. There's picking NIP. Give me something. Okay, else. well, I'll say this. I'll say this. Fnatic is winning... Okay, so this has been my angle the entire tournament on the desk, is that Fnatic is winning this tournament because yeah. they are in a team house together. They are boot camping right now in the same room, and they haven't been before this. So their comms in late-round situations are, like, peak Fnatic right now. Like, they are... And, and there's, like, there's a level that's being played by Flusha right now that we haven't seen for a while. Like, okay, Flusha is is a top three player at this tournament right now like zaiwu flusha and i don't even know who would be the third best player right now i think it might actually well, be xantaras you know, technically it's ziwu xantaras knock then katie and then issa then dupree then hunter then okay Sir. that's okay in terms of rating that may be true but flusha's <laughs> impact is like is incredibly high right now it's crazy like know, flusha is playing out of his mind i would like to say okay that's flusha, because that's because flusha, flusha doesn't get eco frags flusha doesn't get eco frags that's i only look at stats flusha yeah. flusha was another pick for the mix for team last week just yeah saying. i don't know if, if mix is to be believed mantu should actually be the best turner player in this tournament at the moment so you <laughs> know like ziwu has been like the only no, he was a god the only reason why I'm not still... picking Vitality to to win or to make it to the final, I think that I think they'll be in the top four. I think they're going to lose the the consolation final. But the only reason why I'm not picking it is because Zoo has put up 1.5 rating across their five maps <laughs> so far. It's like okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. I'm just like okay, like 
come on, like that's just that's too good over too yeah, short. You say, you say that you're like you're like okay, that's too much of a win condition to be consistent. It is. And then it's like, but then it's like, so that's how it's always up. been for them. Then, but then not it just one point five, not one point five. Okay, one point four. Sorry, <laughs> no, like one point one point five is a little bit insane, honestly. That's, like, that's... And, and they've only played five maps, so yeah. the, the only crazy reason... how, like. You see Zaiwu with like a 1.2, and you're like, damn, he's struggling today. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, he's, he's got to do more. But like, but but Zantaris is like full blown online Terras right now. Like he is. Oh yeah, he's farming. insane. He is yes, farming. yes. And and so is Searson. Whereas on Vitality, it's just really counting on that Zwu. Let that Zwu. One thing. One thing I did like about Big, uh, just kind of touching on them real quick. Like I was watching them against Phase on Nuke. Is I really liked how like seamless like their, like their rotations were and how they were able to use xantars because like he's like their like ramp player but they weren't scared they just have like xantars like go down secret and just you know go secret fight outside and then taps in you know the normal yes. outside player we're just going to pick up ramp for him you know that's yep, I, it's good to see it's good to see them giving like the ramp player and stuff that kind of freedom in terms of recent performances compared to this tournament i feel like flesha and xantares are excelling because like the last two tournaments big was Kind of at like they actually did really badly at Cologne, if I if I'm not mistaken. I think they like yeah, came in they, last they, yeah, or they something. Bombed they bombed and, out, and, yeah. and 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 is playing out of his mind right now. So I I think actually my grand finals here will be um I'll do Fnatic of course is going to be in it. I still am going to do Astralis, but I think my third third best team here is big right now because yeah um, yeah yeah it's it's it's. Yeah, Fnatic, Astralis. This is going to be a rematch of the upper bracket right now for the grand finals where Fnatic takes it. And Big will uh, lose to Fnatic in the upper bracket or lower bracket finals, actually. That's, See, that's, there's I, no so way. I, there's no way already, this simple. Mix, Mix, DreamHack already sent me the script, okay? And if you don't okay. know, all these tournaments are just, are just scripted. So I, I literally know how the, the, the order of show. Can you script it for my team to win next time? I'll... I'll take well, Alex, Alex doesn't write the script, man. He gets the script. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm just saying. Can you like, yeah. you know, yeah. this might be a good idea. <laughs> Flashpoint writers, you know. Yeah, Flashpoint writers. Uh, listen, like Cloud Nine, lower bracket run, all the way to win it all. Colossus <laughs> intact. Something, something. Yeah, that's how it's yeah. gonna go. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, okay, just a couple more things, really quick here. Uh, I don't think you guys. <laughs> Fuck it, fuck it, who cares? Okay, so VP is on a tear right now. <laughs> they just beat Navi, and they also just won the Flashpoint 2 close qualifier. Have you guys... Okay, I've been watching this VP team a little bit here. Yakinder is pretty damn legit, but he takes, like, way too many risks for my liking. Uh, that guy's, like, guys... a 32% opening kill. That's exactly what I expected from Yakinder. Yeah. That's, like, the exact type of player I was expecting him to be. Yeah, it's like it's kind of like when they lost to Dren and got Yakinder. It's kind of like they went for like just the polar opposite. They just needed yeah. something to shift sh to that, shift that their is a, play that, style. Is a, that is a polar opposite shift in play yes. style. That's taking out one super experienced passive playing my bitch spots player for like who's the most whole W player besides Art that I can feasibly get? And it yeah, is Art. <laughs> yeah, is it Yakindar? Latvian, bro. It's because he's Latvian. Yakinder. Like, I say Yakinder. Yakindar. I don't know, dude. Yakindar. He's Latvian. Yeah. Who knows? Like, I don't even. Like, I, yeah. this is the first person I've ever seen from Latvia, I think. Like, Brokey. Brokey, yeah. True. Brokey is, true. Yeah. Good point. Dude, Latvia's coming out with some. Yeah. yeah. Like, Latvia's super team soon. Actually, though, dude, I feel like you could make a better Latvian team than, than you could a, a, a Norwegian team right now. Pause. Heavy pause. A year right ago, now. I didn't even know. 
everybody. That was a country, and now they're <laughs> popping off. <laughs> I love Counter Strike in that it just educates us on like new yeah, countries. Literally. Like I didn't know Montenegro was actually still like its own entity. Like I had no, I, I wasn't sure what. Like going sometimes on with that. you're on HLTV and you see a flag and you're like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah. Geography and math. If you ever need, if there's if there, if there's ever a question in a math textbook, you have sixteen thousand dollars. You have to buy. You have to buy something that's going to cost you twenty seven hundred three. Like I, I can like count down from sixteen thousand like it's nothing right now. <laughs> or or I can do like uh you know like if the score is uh seven to five, I know exactly how many routes been played instantly. That's quick addition right there. I don't even you don't even I don't even need to do it in my head. I just know seven five twelve. It's easy done. It's really great that they're just helping you with your addition there, your mental math. I, it's, just, uh, it's all about education at the end of the day. That's like that's the subvert like goal for valve right now just educating people now okay oh all right. God, imagine imagine though like this <laughs> they're turning us all into computers that can only add by like 1400 1900 2400 every time <laughs> yes. I mean, um to return to the topic a bit i i personally <laughs> rate kinder pretty highly like i i think he's plugged pretty well into vp so far what what's the real question for me would be whether he looks so good because it's just suddenly change their style and teams haven't adapted to it yet mm-hmm. or whether it's something that's going to be a consistent factor and they'll be able to maintain this sort of form going forward because if they can maintain that sort of form and Yukinder continues to perform like he is right now then VP honestly looks really good and I look forward to seeing them sort of play against these sort of teams again but that's the big question for me right now with this lineup is whether it's just because it's a sudden shift in their style and the way they're playing whether that's why they're they're finding success. I would, if I were VP's coach, what I would let happen is I would kind of let this this combination, this of uh, Yakinder's aggressiveness and kind of James' Buster playback too. style and what Buster's, and Buster. Buster's super aggressive too. We gotta remember. Yeah, I would let this kind of like just ferment for a while and let teams try to like understand it. And just like a good fermentation, it's gonna get funky. The way you add the funk would be to put Jame in some of the positions, like just kind of a randomly on a round. Put Jame with the op where you where other teams are gonna think your kinder is. So it's an op facing you instead of a rifle. Just like little mix-ups like that is gonna be so scary for this team because people will catch on, like Note said. Like people will understand that Yakinder is in like he loves getting aggressive at A RAM, for example, on Mirage, and he loves getting aggressive at A on Overpass. Like, if you put Jame in some of these spots, so he's the one taking the duel instead of Yakinder, because literally, Yakinder peak stairs against Simple in that match where they upset Navi, and he just out-dueled Simple, who had an op, and Yakinder just, like, double-dinked him with an M4. Like, put Jame there instead, and, and like, next time around, have an op just facing, and it's gonna be, like, this is a, their CT sides is, all I'm, all I'm saying is the CT sides for VP can really scale nicely with how much they can mix things up now because they have a player like this. So I actually am pretty excited for this VP team because, dude, I'm gonna be honest, like they were kind of boring to watch. Like, yeah, I like this. I like this lineup more than the than the Utrend one. Yeah, it's it's actually I enjoy watching this team now. Whereas before, I'd be like, I gotta really watch a VP game right now to do some you know analyst work. Like that's just not my cup of tea. And James still fucks. He's still still really good. Also IGL, which is like. Seeing that happen has also been really interesting. Seeing him adapt to that role, and they're actually doing pretty well with him. Him and Quicker have always been, yeah. Him and Quicker have always been like on and off the IGL role. Yeah, yeah. like historically, going back years. 
He's more primary now, though. So, like something changed along those lines, if I recall correctly. I could be wrong on I th- that. I, I think they go back and forth between primary, yeah, yeah, like I think all that's the time. I, was about to say, yeah. I feel like I feel like they're just super loose. Like I feel like yeah. it's kind of. Um, it's probably not even that set. Yeah, like yeah. in game. <laughs> yeah, I know, and, right? It's weird. Okay. Every- I, I, I'm glad you brought up Buster, Davey, though, because yeah. Buster on entry routes is just sometimes brilliant as fuck. Like I, like he'll just sometimes be like like he'll read what the defense is on their own execs and he'll be like oh he's behind that smoke and he'll just shoot the smoke a burst into it dead dead player like the amount of times he he does that at least once per map i feel like just just reads that i don't know where the cts are right now but i have a feeling they're behind the smoke and he's just gonna shoot it and it's just like that's an entry that not like i don't think 95 percent of pro entries give you so i really like buster sometimes like Even that. going back like a year and a half ago when they were avant-garde or whatever, yeah. and you watch Buster, and it's just like he's the like one of the most unique entry fraggers I've ever watched. His I don't know if it's intentional, I don't know if it's part of a strat, I don't know if it's him. I really have no idea. But there's times where his his timings and his pathing is like super unique. Like let's say yeah. like hypothetically they're doing some sort of cat split on Mirage and they're going up short, right? There's times where they'll flash short and he just won't even peek with the flash. He'll just sit there and like holding window. And then and then and then the other the guy on short will be like, okay, what the fuck's going on? And then wide swing one tap. It's just like and then sometimes he'll peek before the flash. Sometimes he'll peek like a second after. Sometimes he'll peek with the flash. The pathing, like the angles that he takes aren't common angles. Like he's, I don't, like I said, I don't know if it's like some planned out strategy mm-hmm. thing they do. Like, I don't know if it's the coach telling him what to do. I don't know if that's just how he plays. I don't know if he's even realizing what he's doing. Like, I have no idea. All I know is, is he's so unique to watch. It's like, it's cool. Like, it's fun. Yeah, I, I would liken Buster to when I watched... When Freakazoid was like already pro, but then he played like a season of MDL or something like that. Like he was supposed to be the entry fragger for the Swole Patrol lineup. But like sometimes he would just like the exec would come out and he'd kind of just take his time with it all and wouldn't really like just run in. Like because he knows he's way more valuable at against MDL players than just sprinting into a bomb site. So he would just be like, let me read. Let me just kind of like feel this out a little bit. And it's like, oh, I know what's going on here with the CT setup. And then he just gets like a double entry because he knew exactly what was happening. Buster is like that against tier one competition at times. So and you have players yeah. behind you who are like who who are comfortable with the yeah. change of pace and the, and that and like like Jame and like Kicker yes. and like who can just as like when when your entry is actually dictating the pace of the of the scaling instead of the in game leader telling him yeah. what to do, when the entry can actually do that on his own and dictate the pace of the scale and do it well and you have players behind him who are comfortable with like okay now we're going faster now we're slowing down now we're going faster now we're slowing down and like and they can just follow the entry properly without having to like communicate it or plan it out it's uh, it's very it's very fun to watch it doesn't always work but it's fun to watch it exactly when it doesn't work it looks like why didn't yeah. they run in with the flashes yeah <laughs> that's that's how it feels but yeah um last piece of news here okay edward is open <laughs> to offers and you know we were really digging to the bottom of the barrel to find this one here but edward is coming back it looks like he wants to come back and i just kind of wanted to ask this question not about edward's potential for any roster guys but historically speaking when there's an older player like this that's like 32 and is kind of it says they want to come back to the scene I guess from your guys' experience, have you seen this work before? Davey, uh, have you seen No, go ahead, Mexico. I was okay, going to say, Mexico. like, the only extent I see it consistently being valuable, at least, is, like, joining, like, a Tier 2, a Tier 3 team, just, 
Like, you have to be able to, like, set your expectations a lot lower than what they were, like... Because, obviously, he's not going to join, like, a Navi or something. Like, any, like, top 30 team isn't going to be looking towards Edward. So it's really up to him to, like... There there has to be a team, you know, Tier 2, Tier 3, that he... That experience is actually valuable to. You know, that has maybe some younger players, some skill on it. And you have to just hope that, you know, you come in... You're not going to be able to come in and just get, like, every star role and, like, you know, just play everything you want. Like, you're going to has to be kind of taking a backseat veteran type role, but I definitely think there's there's still potential to like climb up with a team if you can find you know the right team in the scene, the right people to build yourself back up with. But it, in general, to get back to like a state of like Navi, like a top five, top ten, fifteen team, that seems like almost impossible for a player at this stage of their career. Yeah, like put it this way, I don't see Edward plugging into Navi fours, Virtus Pro, like maybe Spirit. What about Amiga? Like, I mean, you're really you're really scraping. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say the bottom of the barrel, but like you're you're re- at that point, you you really have to have the mentality to build up talent rather than play on a top level if you're coming back like Edward is, and for just generally players like that, like you're not going to get the sort of opportunities you had before, and your mentality just has to be that you're building up talent for the next generation. Yeah, I was trying to think of like anybody who, let's say, was tier one, stopped and then came back and was tier one again. Because it's so different now, too, compared to when like 2015 when like Dennis did it. Like it's so much easier to do it then. But now it's so different now. It's so like, you know, you leave for like a year, like you're just so far behind. The only person I can think of who left, came back, and then got better was Glaive. But he he wasn't tier one when he left, right? And even that was like, 2015 2016 exactly. a while ago yeah but, but i'm just saying like he, so he's I'm trying the, to f- the only person i can think of who was top tier stepped down took a break came back and then got better yeah so i think at that point you just have to be playing just because you know you just want something to do you want to play in a team you know yeah. it's just what you enjoy doing you're probably not expecting to you know get back to the top five of counter-strike you know obviously you'll, you'll always shoot for that because you know that's obviously why you play but if those are like your actual expectations, you're probably setting yourself up for disappointment. Although, real quick too, when Taz got removed from Virtus Pro originally, I thought he was you know really at his lowest low, and then actually recently over the past year or two, I think Taz has actually gotten better than he was at that time. He's not he by no means back to tier one by any stretch, but I'm just saying he was actually at his lowest when he got removed, and I do think he's rebounded not to what he was originally. He was really he was doing good as like just leading up these yeah. as an IGL these Polish teams leading them to yeah, like near top sure. thirty like. Definitely yep. getting results. 34 years old, definitely solid. 34? 34. Jesus. 34. I'm going to bring up the player who I think has done it best, actually, is Hobbit. I think Hobbit, after Gambit initially kind of disappeared for a while, he got married, or he kind of got married at the end of his run for Gambit and then laid low for a while. And now he's back on Gambit and he's kind of, he's kind of owning it again, actually. It's, it's brief, it's short term, it's a really small sample size. But yeah. this is. I like, always felt like Hobbit could get back to that. I always felt like. Yeah, I don't think like, done done. Like Hobbit versus Edward, I feel like Hobbit's game is just so like it's just at a much higher level though, for me personally. Like, yeah. Hob- like plus and Hobbit looking al- at Hobbit, did... like I he didn't really fall off like that bad. Like he wasn't he didn't fall off like a no, trend levels no, at, uh, from Gambit. Like right. he's still decent. Right, and the thing with Hobbit for me is also like when he was 
kind of at a ta the tail end of Gambit, it really felt like he had a lot more to give. Like it did to me, it never felt like, oh man, like Hobbit should take a break right now. It's kind of like he just played like he just what moved to he took a break and then was on wind strike for a while or something and then kind of like slowly worked his way back up. So it wasn't it's not as drastic of a break as what I think Edward has taken, but it kind of just felt like he was meandering around tier two. And I'd say Gambit now, one of the top three CIS teams, probably Spirit, Navi, and Gambit. Or or no, top four, because VP would be there too. So it's not like... like I think that's the best case scenario for Edward, for me. I do just want to point out, like in the Hobbit thing, if we're talking about like a player who was at their peak, dropped down, and then got back, you know what I mean? Like brought it back. Yeah. The Hobbit's not not close to have done that like when when gambit won the major he was one of the best players on a team that won the yes. major, right yeah and then ever since then he has been significantly worse than that like yeah un unarguably yeah. so i don't think i don't think he's rebounded back to um back to where what his expectations were three years ago let's say right also right. just just as an aside is that hobbit's also just been playing like CSGO he, he has more experience in this game specifically whereas Edward's been playing for such a long time that the sort of like ingrained stuff that he has in him when it comes to playing the game is going to be vastly different like the new generation of players just they're faster to react to certain things in game with the sort of experience they have and Edward just like especially after taking a break you're not going to have that same level regardless and it's going to be very difficult to get back there whereas Hobbit had already been playing mostly CSGO, and he he had mo most of the experience in this game. So it's going to be a little bit easier for him to transition back into the game, whereas Edward is just... He's, he's been playing for such a long time, it's going to be a hard hard uh, adjustment period. Okay. Once you get married, you're doomed. That's it. And see <laughs> name, name me one Counter-Strike player who got better after they got married. Electronic, Monica, have a kid. Electronic, yep. Well, he was already did, did he married. Did he get better? I don't know, but he's pretty good. He is pretty good. <laughs> better. Uh, all right. I think, I think that takes us to our question of the day. Let's go, our question of the week. Let's go to our question of the week here. This one is really broad, but how much of CSGO is aim? And this is for the pro level. How much of CSGO is aim at the pro level? Uh, I've always felt that it was like 75 to 80% aim, even at like a pro level. I just think that, like, at a pro level, it's, like, the small differences between, like, all the other things that make up how good or bad teams are, it just makes, like, like it's really elevated, like, how big of a difference, like, 0.1% makes in terms of, like, your rotations or your your overall structure and stuff. But I still think overall, like, in CS, it's still, like, 75 to 80% aim. It's just at a pro level, you're going to see more consistent in terms, like, you're going to see, like, more consistent aim in terms of across the board, in terms of across the players. Yeah, I'd have to agree with like 70, 75% of it being aim because if you don't have the aim to compete, you're just going to be able to do less as well. Like even tactically, you cannot do certain things if you don't have the the mechanical ability to pull off certain strats, right? Like if you're not able to, for example, react to a certain strat from another team, you're not going to be able to, if you're not able to out-aim them, you're also not going to be able to run that run out play against them. So the baseline aim has to be there and then the strategy sort of that's the big like the last 20 25 percent that 
separates the best teams from from the others. Uh, this is almost going to get to the point of semantics with my answer, to be honest. But I think that like it, it depends how you define aim, because like is aim the the build up to when you kill the person, or is it just at the point when you put your crosshair on their head, right? Because aim is crosshair placement, it's movement, it's pathing, it's 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 um, being able to know where the person's going to be. Like all of that fall, could fall under aim, right? So like I think that if if you're including the crosshair placement and the you know, your, your movement, I think, like you guys said, it's, I think it's like 80, 85%, maybe even, maybe even more than that is, is at the pro level, you have to be able to do those things to get kills. But, um, so, so yeah, I think, I think it's, it's probably even higher, like 85% if you're including like, like instead of maybe just aim, like mechanics, maybe let's say, I'm but gonna, I said like, even just like individual okay. skill, just define it by like, okay, I'm going to individual raw skill. I'm going to clarify it then. I'm gonna clarify it then that I I I'm not including mechan like mechanical ability. This is only mouse ability. Like oh, you're not, not yeah, not including stuff you do on your keyboard. Okay, I'm gonna go down. Okay, I'm gonna go down to like fifteen percent then. Mouse ability, I'd still say like forty-five, fifty. For just mouse ability, yeah, I would also drop down to like thirty-ish. Okay, say thirty percent. Okay, yeah, that okay. I'm glad that was clarified because like movement mechanics I would not include in aim at least yeah. for the sake of this argument like well, because, because the player crosshair placement goes in tune with that though right because if you're not So crosshair placement is part of this because yeah. you're moving your mouse for that. Right. No, I, no I know but like yeah. crosshair placement doesn't matter if you're not moving. You know well, like, Davey's arguing way too many semantics. I know, that's what I said. That's what I said. made this so confusing. Davey made this so confusing. Okay, okay, just, just, <laughs> just limit it to everything you do with your <laughs> mouse. So, like, your, let's say your positioning is bad because your keyboard got you there, but your right. mouse is looking at the right thing at the right time. <laughs> like, 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 I mean, like, I mean, almost mean like you can use, like, any... Like at the pro, so this is also at the pro level. So we're not just saying like dudes yeah. are just standing in the middle of the open, like with, with blind or anything like that, like all the time or anything like that, like just getting hit by every nade. I'm saying like, so my, my, so, so my thought process for this was how many times in a pro game is somebody completely caught out of position and their flick shot, their ability to aim bails them out of it. Very few times, right? Very few times does that happen. More frequently right. than anything else. But, but for most people, most people. And well, Breeze is—he's special. But I was like, for for most of the time, those aren't the kills that happen in Pro CS. It's good pathing, good crosshair placement, kill the person where you know where they are. Right. Most of the kills that happen aren't because somebody has significantly better aim than you. Right. It's actually like positioning wise and how you how you set up your crosshair before you have to take the fight. But so, I think I think you kind of take for granted even just like in like a one on one fight how much aim is like being. No, for uh, sure. Either. Either. Like just, just raw aim. Like it, it's. I think it's easy to look over like how many rounds are just defined by like one like fifty fifty gunfight that yep. pretty much just comes down to aim. Like there's so many rounds that obviously like you're doing so many things to get to that point, but at at a, at a certain point you just need to win your fifty fifty fights and to win games. Like true. So, I kind of want to bring this back to uh, like Liquid twenty nineteen at the beginning of that. It did not feel like they were doing anything tactically like out of the ordinary, actually. Like a lot of just kind of heavy hitting defaults and just like sometimes dudes just winning their fights on the side or multi-fragging from a position that is like, okay, like if they can just push on forward and just keep finding kills like this, sure. 
Um, but like Astralis on the example and is kind of like they're still above average skill, but their tactics and team play elevate them to that consistency that we still see. We literally see it today, you know? So I was kind of with this question, I'll frame it once again and just a little bit more that how much of staying consistent at the top level in CS is about your player's mouse ability. So like, like uh, Astralis, like, for example, yeah, Astralis, for example, like, would they have had that run if, say, they had 20, like, if they're, if they weren't at 100% of their aim there, like, what if they were at 85% of their aim? If yeah, everyone just got 15% worse. Yeah, though, they huh? would have fallen off hard. They would have fallen off yeah, hard. Yeah, sure. they would have fallen but, off hard. But, but, but like you said, we're talking about how much of Counter-Strike is just pure aim. Like, so how much of Counter-Strike is a 50-50 gunfight? Like I said, I think it's maybe 15%. I think it's like yeah, okay. Fifteen percent of kills and deaths are fifty-fifty gunfights. Most of the time, somebody's advantaged already. So yeah. yes. So that's that's what I which is why I was like it's low. Like it's like maybe even ten to fifteen percent of the gunfights that happen in Counter Strike are pure fifty fifties. Where, where it's I, just aim that's going to make the difference. Yeah, that's kind of like the like the amount, but like the pure the raw amount of like fights that are that. But in terms of like how important each fight is. And in terms of like how how games generally swing and the type of the type of fights that can generally swing big rounds and big games, I think it, it's worth more than like fifteen twenty. At least it's just my opinion. I'd say it's probably like you know like forty forty five somewhere around there. So I would have put this around like thirty percent because I just think of every round how much of it is impacted by a fifty fifty gunfight, and I would say there's over because like just ten people in the server like. Let's say there's five one-on-one -on -one fights in a in a round or something like but that. Even, not even like a 50-50 like, gunfight, like a 60-40 gunfight. You know, like it's you still, still impacted by aim. aim. Yeah. yeah, like you still have to capitalize that, and you like right. you still have to have players that you know are able to win you gunfights that you shouldn't be winning. Like you right. know, you have to have those types of players. So, so I, like, I think if you set up your team to have, let's say, the majority of your gunfights are 60-40, even if you have worse players, you'll win against them more often. Yeah. Than that. So that's See, why I think that it's actually not the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I don't think. Yeah. I think that Astralis, for example, though, would have won, like, maybe, like, one... Like, if they went down 15% in aim, I think they advantage their players so frequently that that they don't need aim nearly as much as, obviously, Liquid did. Like, I think that's pretty safe to say. And so I think, like, there's a couple tournaments where it was, like, they got... They scooted by in, a turn, in like, a BO3 because one map went 16-14. So if they lost 15% of their aim there, that would have been a semifinals finish instead of winning the grand finals where they might have might have stomped it or something like that. And so trying to just like uh like draw this all out, I think like 30% is kind of safe for me to say for a team like that. And I think it's contextual in that like liquid for liquid how much of their success was aim was probably like 70%, but for Astralis, I think it's more a, a lot more 50-50 for how much aim impacted that round for them? Yeah, it's it. Yeah. It does just come down to talking about that raw mechanic, and also like it's hard to factor it in without considering positioning, and also just generally when you're taking your peaks and who you're dealing with. Like that's such a big factor when it comes to the game. That when you're just isolating something like aim, it does reduce the the overall impact that it has. It's not going to be as big of a factor because the the fact that you're taking you ch when you're choosing when to take your duels you're choosing the 60 40 duel you're choosing the 50 50 duel unless you're completely out of position a lot of the time 
or you're forced out of position, which again is not an aim mechanic. The other team is generally forcing you out of position or you're, you're making a misplay, which is again, not about aim. So it, it really does just come down to like, I would agree with 30% as what I said earlier as well. So. Okay. Okay. I think that's pretty much it. David, do you have anything you want to plug? Nah. <laughs> okay. Sick. <laughs> that's sweet, not dude. Yet. Not yet. Not yet. I mean, obviously, Peaker's advantage, of course, but you already know that. Hell yeah. We're actually still working. Working, working for uh, desk work? Talent work? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. But, sweet. like, me and Alex were talking about this the other day. The TOs, like, sort of already have their, like, list of people they like of, and who they're going to hire. And so, unfortunately, me and him are just on different lists. <laughs> we're, we're on yeah. different lists for what TOs want to hire us. Yeah. Uh, no to mix. You guys got anything coming up? Just uh, practice. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Shout out to Cloud9 Classic. The, no, you got uh, any interviews? Uh, nothing coming up at the moment, so not quite. All yet. right, cool. All right. Uh, okay, that'll interview with you, bud. Yeah. No. All right. Dust to us <laughs> interview. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Dust to us interviews the stream teams. HLTV, not quite. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Toxic. No, it's cool. <laughs> All right. Um, I'll just once again say, if you guys enjoyed the podcast, if you guys skip through it. Check out the Patreon. I think that is the biggest thing to plug. And be sure to like and subscribe and hit the bell and all that good stuff. Blah, blah, blah. YouTube algorithm. You guys know how to work it better than I do, I think, because I like half the comments every time within the first five minutes are like algorithm. People just type that in the comments and that helps. Thanks, guys. Anyone that types algorithm in the comments, you're my hero. It's a good follow, video. follow Mix on Twitter. Oh, thank you. Follow oh, Note on Twitter. <laughs> Thanks. Follow unfollow Davy on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, unfollow Davy. Unfollow, Jumpman. block Davy. Even block if you're just a fan of the scene, even if like <laughs> it would just be great if if like Davy just like we're all we have all, like these chains on these threads on Twitter just against to random people, and then Davy tries to click. And it's like, why the hell does this dude that's following one thousand people has eighteen followers block me? Like, but well, one of my favorite things to do is try to, get, like I try to get C nine people to block Ryan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. That's, that a good one. Funny. <laughs> That's your shout out. Okay, block Ryan, block Davy. All yep. right, peace guys. That's it. <laughs>